forever. Dog. Welcome to another episode of Best Show Bests, the greatest hits of the best show, with me, your host, Tom Sharpling. If you like what you hear, make sure you join us every Tuesday night on Twitch at 6 p.m. Pacific for a brand new episode of The Best Show featuring callers, celebrity guests, live music, and plenty of surprises. Enjoy! I want to bring my guest into the studio. James Murphy! What's up, James Murphy? How are you? I'm, I'm okay. Welcome to the best show. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. Now you, true or false? False. Okay. Well, I guess you're not in LCD sound system now. Crap. I think we got the wrong James Murphy there's here. A, there's a lot of us. It's not a... There was another James. Mike Mike actually brought a photographer friend of his who uh, shares your name. Yep. And there's an uh, excellent metal guitar player, James Murphy. And who's he play for? Um, he played for uh, Testament, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Bunch of, I mean, uh, I should look that up. I should be more co- correct about my uh, bro- name brother. Yeah. But look, I'm going to say this. Whether it's the photographer or the metal guitarist, they're not on my radar tonight. There's only one James Murphy on my radar, and it's yeah. the one sitting across from me here Thank you for coming to the studio. It's very exciting to have you here. It is a, an honor to have you here, dare, mm. dare I say. You Thank you. Yeah. I feel, I, I don't know if I deserve it. No, stop. You deserve it. Now you, I'm not going to do true or false anymore. We clearly saw <laughs> where that went. I'm going to just say true. You are... The, what would you call yourself? The singer? Yeah, you're the singer. I'm the singer. You're the singer and... and uh, uh, of the top 40 rock outfit. LCD sound system. Yes. Yes. Now you... I gotta say this. You got a new album coming out. Yes. It's called American Dream. Yes. And it... One of my favorite albums ever is American Dream. It's the uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young album. Which yeah. Is, no, it's not. That's not one of my favorite albums. <laughs> but you, what you've done, you've struck that album from everyone's mind now. Not unlike how these Planet of the Apes movies erased the Tim Burton Planet of the Apes movie from oh, everyone's wow. mind. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, but you took, you forgot about it until you just remembered it now. Yeah. I mean, you reminded me of it. Yeah. But it had been forgotten, not right. unlike the Crosby, Stills, Nash and but, Young album. But you remembered it. Oh. Yeah, look, I this, here, I have merchandise from it that I got sent. Oh, wow. And that's, it's not, that's a fake signature, by the way, that <laughs> our, our mutual friend Jason sent me that. And I was like, did you get, the, is this really signed by Tim Burton and Mark Wahlberg? And he was like, no, I faked that. Wow. I, I so, totally forgot about this. Yes, that Mark Wahlberg and Paul Giamatti Paul Giamatti was an ape. I love that song. And a timber. What song? Paul Giamatti was, was an, an ape? ape? Yeah. I don't, know. I don't know that one. It just seems like a... Sounds like a novelty yeah. hit. Novelty punk hit. So the... Well, look. Not too late for a B-side. Right. right? Exactly. Well, you know, we got to work on that. Squeeze one out quick, right? B-sides. Because so, first of all, you guys just record these songs so fast. You just do them. 
yeah. crank them out. Blap. Yeah. It's just, the, yeah. Think of it, and then it's there. It's like that MSR uh, thing where you'd send in the lyrics, and they would just knock out the music. Is that a thing? Remember, there were, do you ever hear those albums where it would be like the beat of the traps and those things where there would be ads in magazines where it'd say like, write a hit song, we set your lyrics to music, and people would write, they'd send their lyrics in, they'd write back and say, and any song, no matter what it was, they'd be like, we, we accept your song, now for, uh, for $100, we'll, record your, we'll record your song, and there would just be some band knocking these out over all day long recording there's there's these different collections of them they're the they're the greatest things ever that the same band and the same singer they would just write these songs all day long and record them just uh, yeah I'll, you know i'll play something later there's a song jimmy carter says yes that someone wrote it's one of the greatest <laughs> songs ever do you know the difference between big wood and brush wow so someone was just like I think, you know what would be a good hit song? Uh, a song about the difference between <laughs> Big Wood and Brush. And he said, honey, they accepted my lyrics. They're going to record it. I just have to send them $150. I'm going to quit my job. Yeah. And then they send an acetate back to you. And it never gets pressed anywhere else. i got to say that's a – if someone told me right now that for $150 I could get an acetate made, it would be a deal. Oh, yeah. I would do it all day long. It's a deal. I'd be – they, I would. It would like you turn the thing on them. They'd just be like, "This guy sent four more in." Yeah, just I just send you. Here's like twelve things. You cut me an acetate. You can keep your band on. They can cool their jets. Yeah, and then I have an album. Yeah, here's my album I made. Thanks, suckers. You were trying to take yes. me, and I took you. Yeah, I think that's the way to do it. I'm gonna play a little bit. There's a song. There's a Jimmy Carter says yes. There's my the the. My favorite one is probably uh, there's a disco song, uh, which is like disco, disco, disco. Are you going to Mount Kisco? Really? Yes. I'm in. I'm not here to talk about the MSR things. Well, I'm not. here to talk about LCD sound system. Yes. And this album, it's so good. The album. I heard the album. I heard all of it. You suckers out there only heard two songs, maybe, right? Two? Yeah. I feel potentially two slightly misleading songs, for the record. Yeah. Two songs I like a lot, but like mm-hmm. they were really chosen to be released first because they were what we were playing well. We were, we were going to play Saturday Night Live, and we were playing those the best. Mm-hmm. Those are the songs we played best. Yeah. So we're like, we'll play those songs. But there's eight that these people haven't heard. It's true. Eight. And the album... You know what I did? I didn't listen to those two songs. I didn't listen to I you waited skipped to hear them. No, I waited to hear the album. I didn't listen to Is that to true? You, yeah, I did. Oh, when wow. you put them out, I was like, I want to hear them in the context of ah, the album. Well then that's a different I think then I think they fit. They make sense. Yes, they do make sense. And I think for people once the once they digest these songs as an album, they will get the a the entirety of it. Right. Will make sense. And it's kind of a it's kind of like a like you see, the cover of the album is that sky, the blue, right? Like, yeah, painting by a friend of mine. And you see that, and then when, when you hear the album, it's like the cover makes sense when you hear the album, in a lot of ways. It feels like, yeah, because it's kind of. You almost need that cover to counter the album a little bit in ways. You know what I mean? It's like, like it's like a really constrictive in spots. Like it's very intense. Ah. The album. 
I, I, I feel that way too. Like it's heavy. <clears throat> it's a heavier record. And that album cover almost counterbalances the heaviness of it a little bit. Yeah. People were really mad at the cover. Did you hear that? Did you see that? I saw a couple of people. Look, what are the people moan about everything? All no, but day long. Did, did you know that there's actually like, I, I don't know when you say, oh, there was an article in and then you name a publication. Mm-hmm. You have to remember that there's like, that could just be somebody who works there who writes a blog, but it's on that website. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's a different yeah, yeah. thing now. You'd be at one point you'd be like, there was an article. In, oh yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. And then you'd name right. a publication. Yeah. They'd be like, and then you'd be like, oh, well, it's on the website. It's a blog. You know, it's a guy who just said a thing. Yeah. But there was a Newsweek online thing. Mm-hmm. All my favorite music I find out from Newsweek. from Newsweek. There's a thing, and the article was. I mean, it was. Let's let's be realistic. It was an op-ed piece. Sure. Was about how some people on Twitter really don't like the record cover. Uh huh. Which the world has to be a really static environment for that to be a Newsweek, yeah, article. I yeah. think for the idea of when you just think of literally the title Newsweek. Yes, in like, the this week in news. Yes, some people who may or may not like a band on this, really don't like the cover on this other yeah. thing, Twitter. <laughs> so. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Those people are going to eat a heaping serving of humble pie, <laughs> James. When they see that, when they hear the album, they're like, oh, I get it now. When they hear that final song, right? It's a short one. It's a quick little. Yeah, but it keeps going uh, on. 12 minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, like you've never ended an album like that before. Mm-mm. It's just kind of like, it's like, you know what remind me of a lot of the album? Remind me of like, like, uh, those Cure albums, like, like kind of like, uh, like, uh, not, not necessarily pornography, but like, what, what were the ones, the two before faith in 17 yes, seconds? Exactly. Yeah. Like that's like, there was kind of, kind of that there's a vibe in that area there. Well, there was a big records for me when I was mm-hmm. a, a kid. I went through a lot of I went through a lot of phases, and I realized mm-hmm. it's pretty funny when you when you look back at you're like, oh, that was nine months when I was really into that band. Uh huh. You know what I mean? Like you go through things kind of quickly, but the Cure was definitely a big thing for me for a bunch of years. What was the first Cure uh, that you remember hearing? What would, what would be the first time they were on your radar? Would it be like Love Cats, like that kind of? No, it would have been probably pornography. Okay, it would have been Hanging Garden. Okay, was so that's like eighty three. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I remember that that uh, that record, the top, was the first one I had. Okay, so that's like eighty five, eighty six. I think that's eighty four because that's right before <clears throat> Head in the Door. It, it, Head in the Door is eighty six or eighty five. I think it's eighty five, eighty six. Because it's like okay, so it's it's pornography again. Who knows what then, years? But these then it's like came. Love Cats. Pornography, Love Cats, The Walk. Yeah, the top concert. Which is the live That's album right, that yes. includes Shake Dog Shake from mm-hmm. the top. Yes. Then it would have been Head on the Door. Mm-hmm. And and then there's like an, a 10-inch called, I want to say Octopus, but that's wrong. And then it's mm-hmm, Standing mm-hmm. on a Beach. And then it's Kiss yeah. Me, Kiss Me. Then it's the Kiss Me, Kiss, Kiss Me, Disintegration of the Future. Stuff that I'm not. You know, I was kind of, I was out the door on yeah. on the double album. Which one's the? Kiss Me, Kiss Me. Kiss yeah, me. I was, it's, because Standing on the Beach happened. Mm-hmm. 
Or staring at the sea, depending on yeah. what format yeah. you bought. And for me, that was like a... I always tended to... A band, once a band tr- crossed into a certain size venue, mm-hmm. I would begin to unconsciously dial out. Yeah, and I, I get you with that because I was also... Which is a point. crappy thing to do. Well, but it's, but, it's all, but it's a thing when you're at that age... What are you trying to say? When you're when you're a kid, oh, yeah, I was a kid when too. When you're a boy, when you're yeah, that was uh, you, you'd be like there was also that was also the rise of things that I could go see in a place that had that held two hundred people. Yes, and it's like oh no, I think I'd rather go see the noisier thing. Yes, in the room where I can actually be right in front of the person mm-hmm. rather than in an even bigger venue for a record that i think i like less than the one before yeah so it was like you were also had the option of better yeah it's not just like i'm not into this because they're in a big room it's like no there's there's more personal options yeah for me at that point like because if you're a kid at that point if dinosaur jr are doing cure covers and they're playing the ritz right who are you gonna go see you're gonna go see the actual cure at madison square garden or are you going to go the see Spectrum or the Spectrum? Yes, because now you—that brings up a good point. You're a New Jersey guy, right on the yes. line, right on the line. I'm closer to Philly than New York. Okay, so you grew up in Princeton Junction. Yes. And which did you identify with more, Philly or New York? Well, when I was a kid, New York was much more intimidating, but mm-hmm. and so I, Philly was much more manageable. Like you go to like you could go to South Street and go to like Zipperheads and, mm-hmm. and like uh, what was the other Skins. Okay. And you kind of like deal with a really manageable size. And you go to New York, but I had a friend uh, named Scott Waysman, whose parents got divorced, and his dad got an apartment in the village. So we okay. would go to New York. Yeah. So I had different relationships with each city. Yeah. You remember that first trip into New York with no parental supervision? Yes, I do. I skipped school and uh-huh. went with Scott, and we went to New York, and I bought this charming man the 12 inch from bleaker bobs wow and was humiliated by the record clerk uh-huh because i walked in and i just heard it on we had really good college radio i was really lucky i was we had tsr from trenton state yeah we had prb, PRB. from princeton and we had rsu from rutgers rutgers so we had three different college mm-hmm. radio stations at all like so at some point i could listen to punk rock almost all the time yeah and i had heard this charming man and i really liked it and i went into the got on the train it was like eighth grade or something, and went to Bleaker Bob's with Scott, and I was like, I would like to get, um, do you have the Smith Brothers? <laughs> and uh-huh. and they're like, <clears throat> uh-huh. I'm like, this charming man. It's like, what? I'm like, this charming man, the Smith, Smith, Smith Brothers? And my <laughs> father had Smith Brothers. There's like a, you know, it was yeah. like a... Cough drops. N- no, but it was also, I think, a singing group. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought and, you were... No, but, and, and, and the guy was like, and the guy looked at me and was mm-hmm. like, you mean the Smiths? And like kind of threw just like threw the record at uh-huh. me like I was an idiot, yeah. and I was, you know, humiliated. You know, yeah. here I had come to New York like yeah. the rube. I might as well have had like a, a piece of hay sticking <laughs> yeah, out of my mouth, yeah. like yeah. pair of overalls, and, like the uh, beginning of like the Welcome to the Jungle video. Yeah, You're getting off the bus yeah. <laughs> with your suitcase yeah. and your and your backwards ball cap. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm just overalls. Yeah, I, I really must have been like you know which way to the you know, <laughs> yeah. but so. And then late, years later, I was like, wait a second. This was – before they were on Sire, it was import mm-hmm. only. And, and yeah. I was 
13. Yeah. It's like, give me a break. This guy like, couldn't spot you. <laughs> he just, he's like, I'm not giving that 13-year-old one inch. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, got, he's like, got to stick this perfectly. <laughs> but I kind of like, you know, I do feel like there's something. I, I, I'm not mad at that. I never uh-huh. got mad at record store jerks. Yeah. Like, record store jerks saved my life, man. Yeah, I remember. That's a shirt. I could make Record storage jerks save, save my, my life. life. Be a comma pretty good man. Should I do? You know, I don't know about the common man. man. Yeah, but we could. You know, <laughs> let's lose the common man as well. But we could. We could. Mm-hmm. I could make that as a merch. Record store clerks. Record, record store, store jerks, jerks saved, saved my, my life. life. It's true. It's a good shirt. I remember going to Pier Platters Ooh, in Hoboken. Yes, I remember. Which Pier was, yeah. I still feel for my life, the greatest record store I ever got to be a part of was pure platter so it was mm-hmm. the whole because it was kind of like at that point to me the best record store in new york was in hoboken where you actually had people coming from new york city mm-hmm. taking the path train yeah to go to this place in hoboken which is just kind of a testament to how how great this store was and i remember going in there and it felt like it felt like Seinfeld, like the soup Nazi thing where you just go and you just like slide the record in the, just like <laughs> politely, just like, I'd like to buy this. And then you're just humiliated. Yes. I'd like to buy this chills record, please. And they like look at you. And for some reason they, they were nice enough to take a, to think I was like a, I was like a, cl- right. a cl- yeah, like this kid's like a clown. Like I was just like a goofball and they were just like, ah, eh, that kid's okay. It's like Goodfellas or something. Yeah. Like, He's all right. Hey kid, go, M- go get your this. hair up. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Go get us the paper now. <laughs> like I'm going to get, <laughs> but then you talk to friends like, and they just be like, they treated me like garbage. It didn't matter like they were how, traumatized. Much, how much money I went in there. I'd spent $300 and they'd still look at me like I was doing something wrong. <laughs> To them, and I'd just be like, "Oh, I dodged! Oh boy, did I dodge a bullet yeah. on that one!" Yeah. yeah, we had the Princeton Record Exchange, which, sure. for my money, is, was the greatest record store, yeah. one of the greatest record stores in the world. Yeah, which I would, uh, I would drive down, and that's also I, me being in New Jersey. I was between Princeton and and uh, Hoboken, like I could go yeah. to either one, uh, and uh, the great Don Retman. Yep, Princeton Record Exchange holding it down and you go there and they had all the records on the floor and every once in a while you'd see fred schneider there looking at records Mm -hmm. like be like is that fred schneider like fred schneider's on his knees digging through crates looking at albums and you just watch fred schneider (laughs) like looking for records like yeah this is not i think i'm just gonna let fred schneider shop in peace yeah and not not stare at him and yeah let's not stare so you as a young a young boy young turk a young turk in princeton junction mm-hmm. what's the first stuff that kind of got on your radar that you were just like oh there's other stuff out there well there's a couple of i guess there's a few phases there's um my brother uh is 10 years older than me and so he was in my opinion you know the coolest person all right um but he was like into like todd rundgren and emerson lake and palmer and yes and mm-hmm. the who the good and, stuff yeah like but just like do, Wait, no. do- why are you laughing mike mike <laughs> just get 
this, this guess, this, just, I'm sorry, James. I have, yes, yes, yes. Mike, this, first of all, Mike, this is an A-plus level guest here, and you're <laughs> laughing. This is not one of these rummies we usually get in here, clogging up the studio. This is, this is a get. This is a get. Oh, for its pitchfork right now, they're transcribing this. There's going to be six articles written about this radio show tomorrow on Pitchfork. <laughs> You're laughing up, yeah, because I because because he says yes. Those I, first, I'll put those yes first five yes albums up against anything. Here. I'm I'm actually we have uh, I'm an unabashed yes fan. Like, and this, of course, amazing. you should be. How can you like look? Did they did they lose it? Yeah, of course they did. Of course <laughs> they went off track. Well, also, but how off track can you go if you've started from a like there there was no way not to go off track when you've got yeah. Roger Dean. Flying fish ships yeah, exactly. on your covers. Yeah, like that's, so, well, they did Tales of, from Topographic Oceans, which, sure, that's <laughs> fair. That is off track. Or, is is, it, or drama with, you know, who sings? Trevor Horn. Trevor Horn's the and singer. Jeff Downs, the Buggles joined, yes. Yes. Who, would, who could have guessed that? Their manager. It's weird. That's, that's management in action right there. That's Trevor, the guy, that's Trevor Horn singing Man in a White Car. Yeah, but the idea of their manager's going like, like that's like a manager's going... Other uh, guy, uh, John Anderson, Rick Wakeman want to leave. What if I plug the buggles into that slot? <laughs> it's like, and then everybody else is like, what? You know, video killed the radio. Yeah, well, just, they could do yes. Those guys like yes records. <laughs> they can do the singer and keyboardist now. It writes itself. Yeah. And that people showed up to Madison Square Garden. They had already sold out Madison Square Garden. And John Anderson is, is not there. And, and Rick, Rick Wakeman not is not there. there. Yeah. But suddenly it's like, wait, it's that guy from the Buggles? That's a guy with glasses yeah. yelling, you know, piping. Who can't sing any of the, can't hit any of the notes. <laughs> suddenly is like, boy, this sounds it's not so good anymore. <laughs> like, But that album, like that album drama, I'll stand by that album. Yeah. Man in a White Car, good job. Stand by all those Yes albums. Yeah. Look, okay, look, Relayer, maybe not so much. Relayer is my favorite one. Mm, I, the Patrick Moraz keyboard stuff spooks <laughs> me out a little bit. Yeah, I know, I hear you, but that was my, that was my, uh, I got Relayer and uh, Time in a Word. Those are my first two albums. Okay. So I'm, I have an attachment mm -hmm. that I can't avoid. But no, but, but so, do, anyways, you know so what? My, but my, what are we doing right now? We're talking about. Yes. There's so many facts. We're arguing about which part of yes is better than the other part. Mike. Are you a Jeff Downs man? Yeah, are you a, you know, exactly. Yeah. Patrick you, Morass, man. Yeah. One, out, one and done. One, yeah. Gates of Delirium. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm, I'm down with that I stuff. Could li I could listen to it, but it just it fits like it's a little too jazzy. Yeah. No, I hear you. I just feel, but I'm in, I'm in for a penny and for a pound with them, well, you know? Close to the Edge is a big one for me. Close to the Edge, you get no argument. It's like Starship Trooper. It's a monster. It's a monster. How about just... You know, we, you know, we played that at the last show. At the Madison Square Garden show. Yeah. But we, just then. That was a... What, what a sound. Yeah. <laughs> used beautifully in Buffalo 66. Yes, exactly. Used Vince, really well. Prince Vince used it, Mike. Vinny G. Vincent Gallo. Prince Vince. You don't get it. The only Mike likes Brown Bunny. <laughs> the only movie Mike's seen of Vincent Gallo is five minutes of Brown Bunny. And I'm not <laughs> saying which five minutes. The opener. The opening five minutes. <laughs> so so you, you had your brother had yeah, all these so he records. So he had all these records. But he also had David Live. 
The okay, David yes. Bowie record. Sure, which was at the Tower Theater. Yep. Yes. And so I'm, I guess that's, David Live's like 75? I think so, right? It's... So I'm, I think I'm about six years old. Okay. And uh, he points to this record. We're in his room. And it's the beginning of like the rumblings of punk rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 76, maybe 77, but I think 76. Okay. And my brother, and I'm like asking my brother questions about the bands, you know, and I was like, because I just wanted to know. And when, when he would let me sometimes just sit in his room while he was listening to records and I could just, if I didn't say, say anything, I could hang out and listen to records, which is a pretty cool thing mm-hmm. when you're six and your 16 year old brother is hanging out. Oh yeah. To no, that's the, that's like, that's like the, the, the Autobahn now for getting up to speed. Yeah. You've got this fast lane. Yeah. Well, I mean, I have bigger fast lanes, which oh, I will elucidate. Sure. But at this point, he's playing, you know, he points to David. He's flipping through his records and he points to David Lowe and he goes, you know, people are talking about punk rock. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the first punk rocker, my brother says. Um, and th- it's something about the cover was terrifying to me. He looked like a weird girlish ghost. And I was really like, I found it really compelling and f- it freaked me out mm-hmm. like i was kind of afraid of it the way that i was afraid of like slee stacks or something like you know irrationally yeah. kind of spooked by something and um which by the way slee stacks i don't know if you know what i'm talking about the atlanta, oh, yeah, the atlanta yeah. what's scary about a thing that moves really slowly and can't do anything like they're really slow like they're really slow they're really slow i think part of what's scary about them is that you can't communicate with them yeah and they just they're just man. coming after you yeah. and you can't say like Hey, but please, I uh, just realize uh, <laughs> me and my kid got I'm, in this raft. I'm and totally we cool with Slee Stacks. I'm fine with you guys. We're out of here in a minute. Just let me we were just on a raft, and we went down a waterfall, and yeah. we had to just let us get out. Hold, yeah. No harm, no foul, guys. We're yeah. just like, and they're just going, yeah. or whatever. <laughs> trying, sound. To kill, trying to kill you. Anyway, so I was afraid of that. And then, so when I was, I still think I'm six, and I was allowed to buy two seven inch records. I had a plastic record player that I inherited from my sister, like mm-hmm. as a hand me down. Mm-hmm. Cause I think she got, she was five years old and she got a stereo Okay, and got like Kansas and stuff like that. So I was like, bad I, Prague. Uh, yeah. U S Prague. Jesus. There's no such thing as U S Prague. Mm-hmm. There's U S art rock. Right. But yeah. Yeah. I think you're, yeah, right. I'll buy that. But so I got, I went to the record store and what I wanted was I got the two singles. I got alone again, naturally by Gilbert O'Sullivan. Sure. Because it was the 70s and I was a sensitive mm-hmm. kid. Yeah. And I got Fame by David Bowie. Okay. Because I remembered my brother had had the... Yeah. And the vo- vocal on Fame scared me. Yeah. The diving, That's, Fame, I, Fame, 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 yeah. all that stuff. And I would have been a huge Beatles fan also, but mm-hmm. I didn't know that John Lennon was on it. For some yeah. reason, I just thought of it as David Bowie. Yeah. Um, and it, it took me till way, way later to put piece that together. But those are my first two records. Mm-hmm. But my best friend Griff across the street, his brothers all had really deep, weird record collections. Mm-hmm. His oldest brother was into like New Wave and had like the Knack. Okay. Like, and the Go Go's. Mm-hmm. His, his brother Glenn, who was the second oldest, was really into like scum rock, like really into like the Stooges and the Dolls and Dead Boys mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And then his Grant, his, the third brother, mm-hmm. uh, was really into like sabbath and iron butterfly and like more into like acid rock yeah and so like you go to their house and whichever room we were walking yeah. by was like a total education so the we were running around house it was the coolest house ever existed yep and we would go listening to uh mm-hmm. i remember when we were like little kids we were running around playing you know 
gun. We didn't have toy guns. We had pieces of wood that we pretended were guns. We're shooting each other, singing Iggy Pop's dog food. <laughs> we just thought that was really funny. It was like uh-huh. I'm living uh-huh. on dog food. Like we, lo- it was like a you know, it was like yeah. it, we didn't know that it wasn't more popular as popular as other things. That is, yeah. So you had a good. <laughs> I got had, real lucky. Yeah. Well, so what would be the first thing though? Can you think of a thing? That only made sense to just you, though, where even those kids didn't want any part of it. Like, where you knew you were kind of on your own path now. That's a tough one. Because the kids that I grew up with, it took me a while to realize I I grew up with some pretty open-minded kids. So, like, you weren't really alone like you were listening to you know like i like the b-52s and mm-hmm. so did other of my friends yeah I, what was the first thing that i was by myself with but even no matter what it was there was at least some other friend of mine mm-hmm. who was down with it yeah well i gotta say this you did not have you had an experience very different from everyone else no i like this stuff. i know this I, I have to tell you like uh nancy from the band um when I described where I grew up, she's like, that's not real. And I was, it's real. Like I grew up in upside down town. Like yeah, that's it sick. was it, like, I, first of all, I was mm-hmm. a really big kid mm-hmm. and really like fay. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I wore eyeliner and stuff and, and nail polish and, but mm-hmm. I was also just huge. So mm-hmm. I didn't get messed with. Really. Yeah. And I, and I could fight cause I'd grown up in this kind of farmy town and I grew up fighting. So like, you know, I wasn't just a big kid. I was a yeah, big yeah. kid who knew how to fight. And so, my experience of like the universal experience of like being an early punk rock kid, mm-hmm. I understood from movies, mm-hmm. but like I didn't experience it in my life so okay. much. Yeah. Like it was like a different, like, like a refracted experience. Like, I could see that how punk rock kids would get picked on. Yeah. But they weren't not in your bubble. You no. Were in they, and I just had a couple, yeah. I had good, I had some good friends. I mean, there's some dummies, but I just good friends who were like, down to listen to some stuff you know mm-hmm. like you know like like i was like oh well you said what did you like that other people didn't like and i remember I, I liked the psycho candy when the you know and mm-hmm. upside down and sure. vegetable man and stuff when that's when the jesus and mary chain came out and but there was definitely friends of mine who were totally somebody down. yeah because i can say from my experience i remember <laughs> a high school i remember must have been freshman year of high school wearing a madness shirt to school because i just seen madness at the pier with opening was ministry open to the arista wow era ministry yes indeed big fan of the arista era i was a big fan i saw that i saw the the i saw them at city gardens then when they when uh what would twitch would have been the album i saw mm-hmm. that and i was like i think i saw that too they're different now yes yeah. Now they're super. I'm scared at this show, but I remember wearing my madness shirt to school and getting punched <laughs> because I feel guilty for not having had this experience. Well, I have survivor's don't. guilt. Don't I have punk rock survivor's yeah. guilt? You, I got punched and made fun of because the drummer in Madness, his drum set was nowhere near as big as Neil, Neil Peart's drum, drum set. set. Yeah. I remember just like, well, it just shows that this is some sort of like inferior <laughs> band where it's just like, you know, I actually could put together 
the biggest drum set anyone's ever seen. It's just money can build yeah. a bigger drum. But, yeah. but tell that when you get punched <laughs> in the hallway <laughs> that uh, that's what that's what it was like for for a lot of people. No, I know. I, I, I've come to learn that, mm-hmm. in, that people from your planet were punched. Yes, we would get kind of knocked around. <laughs> So so you took your trips to New York, you took your trips to Philly. Yep. And then you were also you were a sound man at Maxwell's. I was a sound man at Maxwell's, a sound man at Brownies. Todd Abramson yep. told me to say hi. Oh really? That's very nice. And Tell he, him to save me some uh, peanut butter pie or whatever that he wanted to know he doesn't he isn't sure what you're up to these days, but he wishes you the best. I I really loved that job. It was like fifty or seventy-five bucks, mm-hmm. and I would take the path was a dollar, mm-hmm. and and they'd feed you like you had like a menu, and you couldn't have any of the really high ticket items. Yeah. Not that there were yeah. particularly high ticket yeah. items at Maxwell's, but you could have below the line, like you could have the French dip or whatever. Sure, but you could also, and you weren't supposed to, I think, have the pie. But you, if you got to know the servers and mm-hmm. be friends with them, they might stick sure. a finger in a piece of pie and be like, okay. "Oh, I can't serve this one; it's yeah, ruined. It's got a fingerprint." It. Oh, he's. I tell you this, Todd's probably right now looking through a Rolodex, <laughs> trying who to piece was together it? who the, <laughs> the waitstaff from 1997. Who did you do sound for that you remember doing sound for? The one I remember the best uh-huh. is Alex Chilton. Okay, um, and I remember it best because I was a a huge Alex Chilton fan, and B he was an incredible jerk. Mm-hmm. Like what? I, <laughs> I had show, well I'd shown up super early to um to sound check to be really really ready. Just, yeah. And I brought my own microphones. I was brought mm-hmm. like nicer mics. Uh-huh. And everybody showed up but him. And the bass player was like, "Well, it's not here and you know, um and nobody helped me. Nobody told mm-hmm. me what he wanted." Okay. Nobody was giving me any indication. Uh-huh. And the bass player, I had a, a a nice mic that I set up for him, and it worked in his voice nicely, and then I got all this other stuff. And then the show starts, and Alex walks in with a guitar without a case and an amplifier, a little amplifier, okay. and plops it down. Mm-hmm. And I run up, and I mic the amplifier, and I get his microphone up there, and I'm like, okay. And he proceeds to spend the first song berating me. Like he's like, okay. He's like the band is vamping through the you know whatever yeah. the opening number is. Like sure. just kind of like doom, 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 yeah. doom, 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 just over and over. All he's like, yeah. you know, oh hey everybody, I'm really glad to have a good. Oh sound man, hey sound man, I can't hear myself. Like you think I'm supposed to be up here to sing without hearing myself? And it's like, and like like nonstop. Like I have, uh-huh. I'm still running back to the console. Uh-huh. To get it going. Like, he's not been here for sound check or anything like that. Yeah. And he's like, oh, 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 pretty thick, lumpy voice. Sounds pretty bad up here. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe you want to make it sound a little professional sound, man, because this is like, you know, it's not what I came here for. Like, just stream. And people are glaring at me like I'm ruining their experience of uh-huh. Alex Chilton. And, uh, you know, finally, and I'm like taking He's like, oh, how come the bass player? Like, I don't want to be a jerk here, but like, how come the bass player's got a really nice mic? Why am I dealing with this beat up microphone? 
and I, you know, so I'm fixing, 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 and he just gets more and more aggressive and irate and uncharming about mm-hmm. it until finally I pick up there's a talkback mic and I just turn up only in the monitors and not yeah. thing. I'm like, maybe you should shut your face because like there's a I got a couple knobs here and you're a metal band. Like this is what's happening here. Like <laughs> yeah. I'm in charge of what you, you sound are. like. Yeah. You know, yeah. like this is like, <laughs> don't get off my back, man. And he kind of left me alone, but I went on yeah. and played the show. Yeah. And then Mike, I did sound for Mike Watt. Okay. And their van broke down. Uh-huh. And uh, Mike Watt showed up with everybody but the drummer. Okay. And grabbed me. And I'd been a huge, like, Minuteman fan. And sure. Grabbed me. And he's like, it's like, hey, man, you know, drummer had to stay with the van. You know, show's number one, band's number two. Can you play drums? And I, and I was like, yeah, you know, I can kind of play, I can, yeah, I can play drums. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you ready? And I was like, okay. So we're like setting up and it was an electronic drum kit. Mm-hmm. Like it was a really weird okay. scene. Uh-huh. And, uh, I was getting ready to play drums and the drummer, the van got picked up and the drummer showed up and they played their show. So I did not play drums with my quad. So you, you, but, but this is also now you at this point are, are revealing this tech this this kind mm. of techie side of yourself, very, where you're, very techie. you're into sound. Yes, I'm a technical guy, and you're also into making music at this point, right? Yes. Well, because what was the band? Pony. I was in Pony and Speed King during the nineties. Yes. Because what do I remember? A double seven inch of Pony. Was there a double seven? It was a double seven. Which was the first thing we yes. made. Yeah. How much is that worth? I have I have that. I I think it's worth. I think I it's sold originally for, for the four. Five dollars. I think it's worth four fifty. So it's gone down. It's gone down, but it's only gone down. It's still, I mean, it's, if I've it's taken used, a hit on I'm taking a small yeah. hit on the pony. I've taken. Much. I'm actually. I should have shorted the pony. You definitely should have shorted the pony. And singles. I'd be, yeah. Um. So, because you were now, you're kind of have a foot in in the the music world. You get you decide to be in bands. And, well, I'd always. I mean, I'd been in bands since I was a kid. Sure. But being in bands as a kid, as much as my friends were mm-hmm. open-minded and awesome, they didn't play instruments very well, much. Well, see, that's the thing that you did that was different then. It wasn't a band that that they couldn't relate to. It was making music. Making music was a bit of a, of a hard So that's sell. the one thing they couldn't, yeah. that put you out on your own. But I did, I, did, I did form bands, but they were always really, they were hard to hold together. Mm-hmm. And, but I'd put out a, I did put out a, I put out a cassette Mm-hmm. In '85, of stuff that I made at home on four track. Okay, '85, '86, and then I put out. Then I made a goth album in '87. Okay, in New Jersey. And what's the goth album? It's called? the band's called Falling Man. Okay, yeah. And the cover is uh, very reminiscent of the early Sisters of Mercy twelves, like okay. monochromatic, mm-hmm. black and white, black mm-hmm. and a color. See, what if then you would have done this cover for American Dream way back then? Bright blue, falling man. I couldn't afford it. That's, that's you know more. That was a two color process, man. That's true. So, look, I remember the color green on that pony single. Am I correct? Yes, green. I remember green there was star. a fair amount of green on green that. star. So, you're making music. Sure am. Multiple bands. You're do, you're just doing everything you can to be involved in music. It sounds yeah. like. Well, it sounds I, like. I I I felt more comfortable in a support role. Okay. I'd been a singing guitar player in high school in my goth band. Mm-hmm. I moved to New York, and I kind of I got I, I I decided to take college seriously, so I stopped mm-hmm. making music okay. for a while. And where'd you go to college? Uh, New York University. Okay, I've heard of that. Yes. Um, I went to uh, Middlesex 
uh, community. It, it was Middlesex, Middlesex Community College. At MCC. MCC. Yeah, thank you. There's a lot of hardcore shows there. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if you can say this, but I know I am on the Wikipedia for a, of for a, a, like illustrious. Alumni, I think you might have some competition. <laughs> Illustrious alumni of For, MCC? Yeah, and it's me and... Well, I'm a dropout of NYU, so I don't think I'd get any... Well, it took me many years to get through a two-year college. <laughs> I was working full-time at the time and would just... Oh, the community college experience, I'm telling you. That, that I had a just lo- rings it out of you. I had a lot of friends who were at M- M- MC Cubed, which was Mercer yeah. County Community College. Okay. They get it. That's a nicer school, though. Is than it? This one was. Yeah, this was just. Oh, but then you. But then again, you're growing up in the shadow of Princeton. Yeah. Which is where you know what? That's where I wanted to go to school my whole life. Really? Whole life, Bill Bradley. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, I hated it because well, you were right. It yeah, was right well, and there. also because I was born in Princeton, yeah, and I still you walked. Have to hate but it. I walked around. In the town I was born in, like on the street where the hospital where I like popped out mm-hmm. and, you know, and I felt like I was intruding, mm-hmm. like I felt unwelcome and uncomfortable. And these kids would show up every year and they'd walk around in their pajamas, yeah. you know, like, they yeah. were just yeah. like, oh, it's, it's, I'm in my yard. And, and like, I'm like, I was born here and I'm, I'm holding the door awkwardly and I'm being glared mm-hmm. at and I'm uncomfortable. And you're just walking around in your underwear. Yeah. And outside it, and you've been here for a month yeah, your town is suddenly you're a visitor it's their your town yes town. there yeah. i'm a yeah. t- i was a townie yeah you were was like a full like town breaking away right break yes break it was full i was a cutter yeah you were a cutter riding yeah. your bike all around but i'll show Princeton. my friend used to scream uh dreams are free out of the car window <laughs> <laughs> so so you just wanted out then yeah with that as your yeah yeah, but I didn't leave after high school. I stayed around for a year and a half. Okay, and did you did you ever did you ever sneak into any of like did they have like those they had the those, eating club the parties? Eating club I didn't go bands to any of that stuff. playing those. Yeah, but I didn't that? know this. Okay, so Pony got hired to play one of these eating mm-hmm. clubs, like the terrace or the whatever mm-hmm. it's called, and it's nineteen ninety something. I don't mm-hmm. know. It's all meaningless blur. But yeah, the, the guys I look over and there's a poster of all the bands that played here, and I'm like. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! It's like all the years I had been living here. Yeah, all the bands I wanted to see played there. Yeah, and I said, and they would have killed for somebody who actually cared about them being there. And I was just like, I said to the guy, I was like, Wow, I can't believe all these shows mm-hmm. happened. You know, like, did, did you guys put? They had no idea where I was from. Yeah. And for <clears> people who don't know, these eating clubs, Princeton doesn't allow fraternities, but eating clubs are some sort of. Not a loophole where they would have these private things where yes. you you go. It's kind of a fraternity. It's like yes. a soft fraternity. It's a fraternity, but in the but it's the guys singing uh, in trading places. Constance Fry, you know, it's it's a different <laughs> kind of fraternity. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, but they would book bands and have these like shows and things. Amazing, and they yeah. pay really well because yeah. they had the money. <clears throat> and so I asked. I said, you know, how why. I was like, did you ever put, do you guys put up flyers and stuff? And he goes, oh, no, you just, the place would be crawling with townies. And I just instantly <laughs> just grabbed him you. by the throat. Yeah. I was like, you're paying a townie tonight. And I was like, I wanted to beat him to death. Uh-huh. Um, just on principle, you know, yeah. just to live up to what they were afraid the townies would do. I remember going to see Sebado at one of those eating club shows. <laughs> they just had a big New York Times article written about yeah. the Sebado's. 
great band. And they just had Jason Lowenstein just join them. He's like this little kid with them now, like right. an 18 year old with them. And they're in this eating club. No one cares. They no. do the greatest show I've ever seen. And then they go play their big New York Times article show at CBGB's and they do the most self destructive show there really? was like they did like the anti show wow. for for everyone there and the the show that no one saw they did the most perfect show wow. for nobody what, what what record is this 3 3 okay this would have been 3 this is when i saw i saw i did sound for them mm -hmm. no i didn't i actually just went to okay. see them at maxwells yeah that pair and i thought they were great yeah they were they were great that was a fun time. It's still a fun time. It's always a fun time if you try to make it. If you if, if you care about fun, if you're it's not always a in excruciating time. pain, it's a fun time. That's a that's a good way of putting it. Mike, write that down. That's another shirt. I want you, you put that on a shirt. I want to see you at Brooklyn Steel, Mike, in line at the merch thing. You're going to buy two shirts. What was the other one? Record store jerk saved my life. Yeah, that's a good one. And. If you're not in excruciating pain, pain, this one might not sell as much. <laughs> if you're not in excruciating pain, it's always it's good always time. it's always fun. It's or always, always a good. It's always a good thing. Yeah, yeah. So remember. so when does when does when does the the, the, the uh, LCD sound system when does the concept hit you? Because it hit you first as a as a recording thing, not a like the live band was a, was like a theoretical extension of the the records well the first iteration in any form mm -hmm. of lcd sound system came when pat mahoney drummer mm -hmm. extraordinaire of lcd sound system and i were playing he had he had a uh in brooklyn they had he lived a, with a bunch of other guys in like the savi fav mm -hmm. um in a what was a former knights of columbus hall Okay. And they kind of just like constructed weird rooms out of sheetrock in into this in this big hall, mm -hmm. and they were having a like a I don't know it was like I think it was a Christmas party okay. where people were playing and things were going to happen, <clears throat> and Britt Walford at the time was living I think was maybe living with me Squirrel Bait yeah and uh, so Pat and Britt played drums and I played bass okay. and that was. And it was it was, it was a it was a Chris, we were talking about it as like a liquid liquid Christmas band. Okay. So we were talking about as liquid Christmas display. Uh huh. And uh -huh. then we were LCD. That's where that first came from. Okay. And I just saw Britt. We played in Louisville, and I just saw him for the first time in a long time. Uh, hi, Britt. He's, I mean, in case. Mm hmm. Very talented guy. Yes, very good drummer. That was a weird thing when you think about how talented. That band of dumb kids were like really tiny kids. Yeah. The yeah. footage of them playing in the basement in the in Lance Bang's movie. Yeah, when they're playing and you're like, oh, the engineer didn't do that at all. That's what those guys as teenagers sounded like. They yeah. look like they're about eleven. Yeah, and that uh, and that Slint thing. I saw yeah. Slint. That I was at that Slint show that he had the footage in the New Brunswick. Right. That I was, was not at that. They played for an hour. Nobody knew who they were. They just put, they were just like, we're the opening band. And they played for an hour. And they played for like the opening band. Just like, hey, I think we're going to stretch out. They opened for uh, the band, the Blisters, who I was friends with. And they were like, 
hey, we're the they knew him from Squirrel Bait. They're just like, oh, these the guys from Squirrel Bait this is their new band. They want to play. And then they're just like, we play a little longer than the opening. Then we came. We're you know we're driving around. And then they played for a full hour, which is and, which people don't realize that was crazy. Oh, that's the most insane thing when no one knows who you are. Yeah, you play for twenty five minutes. That we're going to stretch <clears throat> out to this degree, and everybody was just <clears throat> locked in on it. So. Yeah, so you're with you're with Britt Walford and Pat yeah, yeah, and that's you. That's the first interview. That's sometime mm-hmm. in the 90s. And, and Gavin Russom did a magic show that night at the same place, and we didn't okay. know each other. Okay. But um, then, I guess, I started making stuff around 2000, 2001. Mm-hmm. 99, mm-hmm. that era, I started mm-hmm. just recording stuff on my own. And was it, was, was it a... Was it a f- what, what's the line like when you think of coming out of... I'm going to say ostensibly you're coming out of indie rock in certain ways. Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot of, there was not a lot of love for, no, for new wave or for dance no. things or for anything that wasn't indie rock right. coming out. So you, so you're kind of adding a whole other element there. And I think you, an entirely different field, the genre that you have a, a love for. Mm. And what's, what's the, what's the collision of that? Like, well, it, at the time, it seems funny to even say that it was weird to do, yeah. but it was weird to do. Mm-hmm. But I had a lot of, I mean, I met Tim Goldsworthy, um, and we had started working together as DFA, like because mm-hmm. he had come over with uh, David Holmes was the first project in the studio, and he was he had come over to produce and program David Holmes, and we hit it off. <clears throat> so we stayed and we made DFA. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was cool. Like, he was, like, a cool person. Like, people were like, hey, that guy's cool. And, like, would write articles about him. And he was an uncle and stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, <clears throat> he's cool. He's got to be cool. He's an uncle. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he, they were cool people. Yeah. I didn't know any cool people. Yeah. My friends were, like, Six Finger Satellite and stuff. Sure. Yeah. Another, so, yeah. another cool band. Really, but, you know, cool in retrospect. But at the time, people were like, these guys are weird. Isn't it amazing? Isn't that <clears throat> some certain things get lost with mm-hmm. time. One is that so, some things were so unpopular. Yes. Like with, staggeringly. Yes. The idea that a band like Six Finger Satellite, just one of many bands. Yes. Or the Hydrogen Terrors. No traction. <laughs> no one. They didn't move the needle when they would come to town because it was just oh, it's another band coming through. Right. Another and, Providence. Yeah. I mean, but, people would see them, but it was not like, I mean, certainly like Archers of Loaf were moving a lot more units. Well, that's exact, and that's the thing, and it's it's not even like it was a race or anything, but it's but history kind of blurs changes that, that part yeah. of it. That that's why when you see a movie about like the seventies, like everybody's listening to, or the eighties, like everyone's listening to cool music. No, they're not. No, like it's not what was happening. The music people in the in the eighties were listening to is music that kind of came out in nineteen eighty. Yeah. Like if you ever hear yeah. music that came out like literally in nineteen eighty where it's like Little River Band. Yeah. And like it's like just stuff like that that was like still kind of the seventies. Eight six seven five three oh nine. Yeah. Like these yeah. It was so not cool. Yeah. But but that part of it, isn't that always amazing when you see certain things? No, like everybody's you, listening to Killing Moon by Echo and the Bunny Man yeah, or something. Exactly. Where it'd just be like, <laughs> like yes. no, they're not. Yeah. No, <laughs> those people were listening to maybe Private Dancer 
yeah. by Tina Turner. Maybe. That actually yeah. might be even stretching it. Yeah. It was probably, well, we, we said, we talked before the show, is it? We were at the same show at Great Adventure. Yep. We saw the fix. Yes, we did. Not the touch and go. Not one X. No, X. the two X's. The two X. Re- re- of Reach the Beach fame. Saved by Zero. Yeah, Saved by Zero was the big one. One thing leads to another. That was actually, one that thing leads to another. That was huge, the big one. Yes. They were. And I have, I, the, I have the records after that. I had the two. Yeah. The one that had. Reach the Beach. Reach is the, the Beach. And uh, what's the one after that? Well, there was, uh, Reach the Beach wasn't the second one. Didn't they have the one that had Saved by Zero was the first album? Really? Had the first, I think, and then Reach the Beach had One Thing Leads to Another on it. I think, oh, again, if there's only a way to find if out there's only some things. method. Yes. So, look, I'm not meaning to talk about the fix here, but that thing where history yes. is interesting. The other thing that's interesting is now that it's so much more accepting of things, the idea of, yeah. it was like a straight up. I was a I was a kid reading rock magazines and there would be like Led Zeppelin fans and Clash fans that was like considered they were at war yeah, with Yeah, they're going to have other. a hammer fight yeah, in the street. Like, yeah. The idea that pick what side you're on, man. Yeah. Are you with the Clash or are you with Led yeah. Zeppelin? Can yeah. like both. Yeah, you can. And That's then, impossible. Yeah. And I'm kind of like oh, I think I like both. I think I like the Clash. I like this double album and I also like the it leads up on albums I I have also. Did, did you see Twentieth Century Women? No, I did not. Okay, see it. there's a really good scene in the film um, where a kid, the the kind of the kid main character, mm-hmm. <clears throat> which we can presume is the director stand-in in a way. Sure, as what we it might not be true, but it's mm-hmm. what we presume. Um, is at a skateboard like half pipe. Mm-hmm. It's in like it's maybe nineteen eighty seven, okay. somewhere in there. Sure, sure. Wearing a Talking Heads like shirt from the seventy seven era. Yeah, no, that's and another kid mm-hmm. who's a Black Flag fan beats him up, mm-hmm. and I said that's the first time mm-hmm. someone's believably acknowledged. That you, oh, weren't the, allowed that you weren't allowed to like both. To yes. like both. Yes. I mean, I did like both because yeah. I grew up in a, we, mm-hmm. my town was a vacuum of, there were no rules. There was no mm-hmm. like, you couldn't be into this. You could be into that. It's like anything weird was okay for me okay. and my friends. Yeah. Like, so. For me again, just to remind you, man, this shirt. Punched in the face. <laughs> Not the face, the chest. <laughs> ah, well that's, you know, in the sternum or the what? chest? Like knock the wind out of you? Kind of the. Kind of not not oh. the stomach, that thud of the chest <laughs> of like a scrawny high school student <laughs> makes your whole body reverberate like it's Ooh. a it's part, his, his fist could have just gone all the way through me. <laughs> and you make a sad like mm, ooh, sad. <laughs> like a ooh, yeah. It's like then yeah, but, just reminding you. Yeah. No, but that was a thing, you know. And when like when. Things became when I became more aware that there were scenes, which I didn't really understand. Like yeah. I'd be like, I'm listening to Ministry, and I'm listening to Black Flag, and I'm listening to the B-52s, and I'm listening to the Violent Femmes, and I'm listening to the Cure, and like all this seemed totally appropriate. Yeah. And then I got a little older and realized that like a bunch of these people hated each other. Yeah. And fans of one would loathe fans of the other. And I found, and once I found the first scene, scene, scene mm-hmm. that I ever saw was because I was a 
uh, I used to go to city gardens, mm-hmm. we'd see like hardcore scenes. Yeah. And that was really overwhelming for me mm-hmm. because for me, like punk rock and all this weird stuff was like, it was really queer. And I don't mean like gay necessarily, mm-hmm. but I mean like really queer and conf- like it wasn't like dude stuff. It wasn't and, macho. And stuff was so macho on the other side of the street. Like that's the yeah. thing. Like hardcore was so macho. Punk was so that by that point, right. what would be punk would was super dude. Yes, but I but to me it was like I never I, that was so uh, uh, confusing to me because mm-hmm. I was like this feels like there were elements that felt like really footbally, like really like yeah. like guys gonna call each other names and beat yeah, each yeah, other yeah, up yeah, and stuff yeah. like that and like like a lot of homophobic stuff and like you know and I was like whoa you know a minute ago. Mm-hmm. Like, I was listening to the Smiths. Like, this is weird uh-huh. to be here right now. Yeah. I remember calling into a hardcore show on, on um, and I, I was quite optimistic and evangelical. And I wanted them to, I called it a hardcore show and I was like, can you play the Smiths Handsome Devil? Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, oh, thank you so much for calling in. Do you know my show? And I was like, totally. I hear what you're playing and I'm, I like it. Mm-hmm. I just think you might like handsome devil it's like connor rips and like, yeah, yeah. and he's like oh okay, okay. Uh-huh. and he like acquiesced to play yeah, it uh-huh. but was like hey this was a call-in like, like kind of apologizing mm-hmm. for playing the smiths on the show but handsome devil stay man that, that song rips it's it it i get it completely now now it's, everything's it's so one. great yeah. but it's so great yeah. when you think about it, the idea that it's just a smear of everything the idea that like you would get if you said like, "Hey, you know, I like it," kind of like these Hall and Oates records, yeah, be just like hunted down in the street. <laughs> now that's like considered a cool reference. It's just like, "Yeah, those are great records." Yeah, Hall and Oates records are awesome records. Yeah, look, it's definitely the better version of it is happening now. Of what? Of people accepting yes, all yes, 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 music. Yes. yes, but it then you were definitely you found your you found a club, and if you had your foot in. You're in different different camps and stuff. You, I mean, look, I would go buy stupid. I went, I saw like Erasure at the Ritz yeah. and all the. I would go see these things, and it was just like I wasn't going back in high school with the talking all about Erasure. Nobody <laughs> wanted to hear about that again. Do, do you remember madness, seeing the kid with the madness? Did you remember seeing really? The, I didn't. I don't want to know what he would have thought of Erasure. What do you think? Do you remember the first time you saw? I'm assuming you saw the video for Small Town Boy by Bronski yeah, B. Yeah, And did you ever see it at the time, like on U68 or whatever thing yeah, it would have been? Yeah, yeah, do, do you remember? Like, I remember how impactful that yeah, was. It was like, like the saddest thing I'd ever seen. It blew my mind. Like, it yes. was an amazing, it was an amazing, and then we're mm-hmm. talking now, people talk now about like, you know, oh, like being gay is being, it's coming out and all this. It was like, mm-hmm. go check the rest of television when was, Bronski beat made that, that video. was that was like that was a full on statement that reached for Huge. me just being a kid in the suburbs yeah. and not having anything say that that world was out there. That was yeah. the first time I knew that there was that this is a world and this is the struggle. Yeah, what a for, massive yeah. thing! I, me- I remember seeing that and being like, "Wow!" Like that is mm-hmm. that's the for me that was like the the punkest thing I could imagine. Like, yeah, you know what a. What, Years before people were willing to like be an artist and be like, hey, um, you know, yeah, like, or just be able to identify wherever they identify. Yeah. And now, but then it was just like, 
the the default setting was that you're just like a you're just going to be like a straight kid if you're in the suburbs. Yeah, yeah. That was like the it was a very a different time. It was a different yeah. time. It really was a different time. And so, I think people want to say that it's it was better then because you went through hardship, so you feel like everyone needs no, to be punished no, with you your don't. bad stuff. <laughs> That's but people do. They're just yeah. like like well, it was hard. You know, I got kicked in the nuts all the time for what I listened yeah. to. You should be kicked in the nuts yeah, too. Like, like no, that was no, terrible. You're better off not mean, getting kicked in the nuts. Mean That's, people being terrible to you because yeah. of things is not good. It doesn't yeah doesn't imbue strength. Yeah, exactly. It just makes just puts more bad stuff in the world. It just makes you scared when someone taps you on the shoulder to ask if you want popcorn at the movie. Yeah. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> madness. Now, yeah. Man, oh, no. Look. Okay. I'll go buy the guy in Madness uh, some Roto-Toms. Yeah. How about that? I have some Christmas money. I, I what some, if I go... Get 17 splash yeah. symbols of different sizes. I'll go get him. Yeah. Uh, uh, China Boy High. I'll go get him a, a 22-inch... China Boy High. Yeah. That sounds like a... Autobiography of one of the it sounds, dolls. It sounds like yes. It sounds <laughs> like it's a China Boy High, the story of, <laughs> of Sylvain Sylvain. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so James Murphy, yes. you. Not to just keep staying in the past. Sorry, I, just, I no, love the past. I love it too. It's fun to talk I love it for another fellow Jersey, yeah, fellow Fix fan. And the thing is, just to one thing from the people when you mentioned City Gardens this is a thing. Yeah. People that another thing that's lost to time. City Gardens was in Trenton, New Jersey. Yep, which was, which was a terrifying city, oh, yeah. like a real rough. <laughs> it was city. a terrifying street with a terrifying club in a terrifying city. Yes, it was. A black box, yeah, dropped in like an industrial area where they an would industrial just, park seemed, off of the highway. It seemed like where they were stripping cars, cars. Yeah. They would steal cars, and this is where they would repaint them or strip them for parts. It would be a law, a lawless net of impunity. Yeah, you could do whatever you wanted there. There was yeah. nothing, and you'd park your car there, and you would with just other be like, people. Yeah. And you just you could never walk back to your car alone. You do not go into the parking lot alone. That's no. rule number one. It was so terrifying. But everybody played there yeah. because it was a show that they could do between, between Philly and, and New, New York. York. Yeah. yeah. So you'd get all these bands playing there. What shows do you remember at City Gardens? Well, my first show, my first show of any kind ever mm-hmm. was a City Garden show of the Ramones. Okay. And that was it was amazing, and also I was stunned by how traditional the songs were. Mm-hmm. I remember feeling, you know, the, both the, the, the Ramones and the Sex Pistols, that my first experience of them was that they were not as weird as I thought they would be, but mm-hmm. awesome. And the second show was Iggy Pop, and they were, within, they were the same week. So you were at City Gardens twice in one week. Yeah, when I was pretty little. Yeah. And then so, I became a bouncer there. So you were a bouncer at City Gardens. Yeah, in the late 80s. And what, what's it like being a bouncer at City Gardens? I thought, my parents didn't like me going there, but they didn't know the half mm-hmm. of it. And yeah. My parents had no idea. If they would have known that that's what that place was. Yeah. Because there's also no way of searching that. Yeah, either. you it's couldn't like, Google City Gardens yeah. and be like, you know, cross-reference murder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like yeah. City Gardens slash murder. Yeah. Uh, no, I thought it was what punk clubs were like. This is what mm-hmm. this is what I thought everyone had to deal with to go to mm-hmm. a punk show. 
And they made a documentary a few years ago yes. where they interview all these pretty hard bands mm -hmm. who had pretty rough reputations. And they're all like, City Gardens, like that was the scariest place. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, like I was a pretty, like, yeah. I was a pretty naive, you know, goofy kid from a little town. And, and I was like, mom, what are you worried about? I'm just yeah. going to the show. Everybody yeah. goes. It's no big deal. And I never, luckily I didn't say the facts and I didn't even know to hide them. I was like, mm -hmm. we don't go in the parking lot alone. Nobody would do that. <laughs> it's like, but that's I, just yeah. you shouldn't go to a place where you sh where you absolutely cannot go to the parking lot by yes. yourself. The idea of going to the park and going back to your own car, yeah, is somehow foolhardy. Yeah, like <laughs> like, like you go when the show is yeah. over with everybody else. Yeah, and now it's like that's actually kind of lets you know what like like you know, like we're dudes. <laughs> it's like that's like. What women go through. That's just called all the life. Yeah. That's like a Wednesday. But it's like, like, like when, like that's the only time I think I've experienced what, like, I think like women, when they're scared going places, yeah. Yeah. it's like, I've been, I'm lucky enough to be a big guy also, <laughs> that that wasn't a thing. And yeah. Oof. Yeah. But that city gardens, man, that was some scary stuff. So you, who did you, do you remember bouncing people? As yeah. A I, had to, I had to bounce a guy. I've, I've, I've this isn't the first time I've, I've told this anecdote, but I, okay, I was a kickboxer mm -hmm. and my kickboxing coach, Juan Del Castillo, mm -hmm. was uh, also uh, the head bouncer or something. He was like one of the main bouncers at City Gardens. And so when he needed people, he would just grab people from the, the Tang Sudo class. Like, hey, you're, can you want to be a bouncer at the club? Yeah. Okay. Just don't tell him you're 18 or whatever. Yeah. Because you had to be 21. And... Uh, I mean, I'd been going there for years, but I just looked older. I was like a big guy. So, mm. you know, and it was also that back then they didn't really care about carding you. No, nobody cared. Just like, just don't be stupid. Yeah. Like, right? don't just You'd get, keep like, your head thing. down. Yeah. yeah. I remember at City Garden, some guy's just like, just don't drink. Okay. I'm like, I don't know. I just want to see the bands. Like, yeah. Okay. Just go. Like Randy. Yeah. yeah. But they, um, uh, I would, I, so I started bouncing there and like there was, it was, Okay, there were rules. You couldn't wear Doc Martens with white or red laces. You could only be enter in mm -hmm. with Doc Martens with black laces if you had Doc Martens or combat okay. boots. You couldn't wear uh, suspenders. Okay. Because we had so many fights with skinheads. Yeah. Like just coming in and beating, just, just, just in groups and beating people up. Yeah. Which is awesome. Way to go. Mm -hmm. And so there were all these people that weren't allowed in because they'd already been thrown out. And mm -hmm. one of these guys was this massive guy. And... My coach, uh, instructor, head bouncer guy, the rule was if he gave you this little like uh, flick of the nose, flick of the nose a la Bruce Lee, mm -hmm. then that guy's hit people or headbutted people without provocation and you should drop him. Okay. Now, you, the way you had – you weren't allowed to haul back and punch anybody. You get in mm -hmm. big trouble. So what you had to do was like place your hands on their chest like, hey, mister, hey, we got to – you know, we, mm -hmm. hey, take it easy and find their sternum. The little place. Sure. And oh, then, and I'm familiar. The guy with yeah. the, the I, Neil Peart fan yeah. showed me where my sternum was. <laughs> and you just do a little a little quick punch, mm -hmm. short punch yeah. shot to the sternum. And that usually knocks the wind out for a second. Mm -hmm. Where At which point, one or you or one other guy, we'd throw them. There was a back door in the back bar of City Gardens. So there was the whole front area and there was the yes. back bar. Yeah. Uh, the back bar, I think, is where John Stewart would bartend. Yes. And we would just kick the, open the door. Mm-hmm. 
throw the guy into the street, into the into the parking lot. Okay. Alone. Okay. And yell, get out of here, racist, and mm-hmm. other things. But sure. you make sure to yell, skinhead, racist. Mm-hmm. Because that would mean he would likely barely escape the parking lot with his life. Yeah. Because <laughs> people sure. would just come out of the woodwork and beat him senseless. Yeah. That's like he's like chum now. Yeah. <laughs> he just so literally weird. throw the, the brave racist with his 30 friends alone into the Trenton parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was a really that was. So that's what you did. You just throw them out and then you never had to beat anybody up. They got beat up. So now you. 2017. 2017 me. 47-year-old LCD sound system. You're playing shows. Yes, I am. And you look at the kids in the crowd. Mm -hmm. And they're like when it's like when it's getting hot and heavy, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's going nuts. And then you're just like, are you ever just like, that's not nuts, guys. (laughs) Like, I've seen, I've seen nuts. Nuts should be, one of your heads should be rolling across the floor, detached from your shoulders. No, because I think by the time I was being kicked in the face in the middle of a pit at City Gardens, it was already retro. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? But like, I experienced no like... Uh genuine mosh pit from the 70s like yeah. i didn't gob on nobody people. was gobbing. yeah I, we, like, we all missed gobbing yeah and i'm not sad and like <laughs> oh, for the most part you also, imagine that it was yeah it's just being spit on Look, you could just nobody likes that your biggest problem with these stupid cell phones yeah can you imagine if your biggest John Lydon's getting gobbed, getting gobbed on? Gobbed on. If, if you're just like, look, everyone. Or you're Iggy Pop, you get hit in the head with a bottle. Yeah, please. Do. Or you're like, like in the seventies when they'd be at concerts, you'd be like, kids would go to concerts, like rip up the seats and throw them at the street. Michael, oh, yeah, that. Or you'd go and be like, hey, you know, my favorite band is Aerosmith, so I think what I'm going to do is throw this M80 at them. <laughs> I'm going to see if I can blow up my favorite band. It's like <sighs> the mentality. But you're just like looking at you see cell phones. You also could it also could just be look, I'm glad it's where it's at now. And also put the cell phone the, that cell phone thing is look, when I see you guys, will I take a picture when the disco ball goes off? Yes, because you can't see that. I'm at the back of the room. The the lights have changed. You're not looking at my phone. I'm a quarter of a mile away from you. Actually that's the easiest time to see people with their phones. Is when the ball goes up because there's zero lights in our eyes. But I'll go all the way in the back. All right, I know I get. I'm not doing. I'm not. You know, I'm not. I'm not trying to draconianly ruin people's memory making. You're wrong. You're not wrong. That's the thing. I'm on your side. (laughs) I go see a thing, and then people start. It's it's like the tide is turning with the cell phone. Thing. People like, have been really amazing about it. I've seen yeah. a lot fewer now. Yeah, because I think people are getting the recognition that they're not going to watch their crappy, yeah. distorted yeah. cell phone video. And that all you maybe need is one picture yeah. to show you were there, and you take it, and As then it, you can put it away for the rest of the night. Nobody nobody believes you anymore. You need proof. It's so I need weird. to sell buttons that say I was there? Would that just be too on the nose? Maybe that's... Maybe that's another thing. So we're just we're just redoing just make, the merch table I now. Just, I, I mean, it would be, we always used to joke that I should make we should make like really hack corny merch. <laughs> like the, uh, he's losing his edge with an arrow to the guy next to you. Like <laughs> just really like really uh-huh. wrong, wrong headed. Yeah, you know. Then you'd be. 
Daft Punk is playing at my house, exclamation point. Like just, <laughs> yeah, <that's> so, <laughs> it'd just be like, like in bubble letters. That would be, yeah, look, do you, someone else is going to start making, you're going to, do you think they don't already? Just, you know, oh, I'm sure they look, it's at the corner of Google and iPhone. You can find all that stuff. You find, yeah, a lot of bad merch. Look, you can see in the front of my computer. Look at that. Scene. I saw, I was wondering if that was our, our, it's, our it's mall. Your, yes, it is. Nice. I taped it on there. It wasn't a sticker. It was from something. I don't know what. I dig it. So, so it's hard to move forward with us. We're yeah. just gonna, you know. But let's. But I'm, we'll just watch this. Watch how I do this. Wow, this is now a, it's two thousand. Let's say it's two thousand. When 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 do you pull the plug on the on on the band? Two thousand twelve. Two thousand eleven. Two thousand eleven. I actually technically say tr- plug pulled two thousand ten. Okay. Flood drain, water drains out 2011. In April of 2011. Yes. At what point in that, what point did you, did the concept of of ending this thing dawn on you? It had been going on since the making of Sound of Silver. Like I'd been, okay. I kind of, there was a lot of me just being like, I, mm-hmm. this is the last thing. This last sure. Thing. And while making this is happening, I felt like, well, I kind of felt like I was signed to EMI. Mm-hmm. And they were not making a good amount of money on me. Um, I think, you know, they were doing fine. But, like, you know, we were not going to recoup. We were not going to be. And they were going to have to pay more for the next record. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of, it dawned on me that this is happening is probably, I was like, this, we're never going to get paid to make a record again. This is it. That's why we rented a mansion mm-hmm. in You're Los Angeles. Like, we were like, let's do it. This is yeah. our last chance to be like, yes. you know, have some weird 70s recording experience mm-hmm. you know um so you get the mansion so we get the mansion we do it and i was like so i was already kind of like this is this is a swan song in yeah. one way or another mm-hmm. and then <clears throat> and do you feel like that's coming i'm not to cut you off do you feel like that's coming out of you growing up or with like the idea that there were so many bands in indie rock and just that they would just be like in and then they would be out well, no, I just feel like, like, okay, I really like Pill, mm-hmm. but I really love the first three records. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you know, I really like the the, the Talking Heads, mm-hmm. but like, I really love Up Through Remain in Light. You know what I mean? And I, yes. and I, and I really like Speaking in Tongues as well. But, you know, like, it's hard to keep making music at, like, your best place. That's one thing. Okay. Two, I never liked the idea. This is going to sound weird. The way American bands work, the way bands work in America, I would say, is if you stick to it, even a very unlikely band can be very big. Mm-hmm. REM like yeah. you know like you sure. just like REM became one of the biggest bands in the world mm-hmm. I wasn't gonna call that at reckoning no you know what no, I mean like it, we we yeah. weren't gonna like this was a pretty weird band yes they, that every time out they took a big step yes forward uh, the cure were a enormous North American touring concern yeah the you too mm-hmm. were not the you know the most likely 
success story. <clears throat> no, the red hot chili peppers. Yes, the chai peps. They have sudden somehow they are. They're like the Rolling Stones. Yes, they are an American mm-hmm. institution. Yeah, you keep because they didn't break go up. Away. Yeah, you keep doing it, and you get bigger. You know, in England, it's different. I think if you have to, you have to keep changing. You have to keep, you know, mm-hmm. moving and shifting, or everyone just goes, ah, you know. Um, There's only so much ground to cover, also. Yeah. So I was like, and the like, our people around us were like, "Oh, the next record's going to be a big record." Okay. And that made me very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It made me very uncomfortable to feel like I'm a competitive person by nature. I kind of want to be challenged. I like being an underdog. I enjoy, you know. So From the New I- Jersey, yeah, joys. And so uh, the idea that like all we had to do is not screw up. Mm-hmm. And make another record, which would likely be not quite as good. Mm-hmm. You know, tired touring, you know, bah. and it would be bigger just by the force. Yes, of- by the f- sheer force of of other bands breaking up and getting mm-hmm. into fights and falling apart, and us being like the last one standing. I found really depressing and unmotivating. Okay, and uh, I mean, similar to like. You know, when I when I graduated from high school, all, most of the kids in my school went to college. I didn't want to go because it just felt like, why do I want to do just what's expected? Like, what's next? Like, what? These are supposed to be important decisions. It's like, I don't want to marry the person who's my girlfriend because I'm a certain age. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you just, you want to, you want to have something special happen. Sure. And, and you've always kind of questioned that the patterns of things. Yes. It's, I mean, I'm really, I'm, uh, that's how I think about stuff. So for me, it was just like by breaking up the band, like something, I felt like something really good would come of that. Like that was like the right thing to do. I could move on with my life. And mm-hmm. before, before we got successful and I became like, well, maybe I need all this money like that we're getting now that we're big, you know, like all this kind mm-hmm. of stuff. I didn't want to live a life like that. I'd always been, I rented an apartment. It was fine. You know, I had reasonable economic needs you know it just felt like that would make more sense and i know that sounds a little kooky but it, well, it, it made sense to me at the time it makes sense and the, the, another part that is that you certainly when you started you did not get into it with money as the prime motivator here. no i remember there was this, there was a couple um you know people on the internet mm-hmm. uh p-o-p-o-t-i potties sure and there was like, oh, this is like all a play for money. And I'm like, who gives up their primary source of income as a big play for money? Yeah. Um, you know, we lost a fortune at Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like we didn't charge enough for the tickets. We didn't make anything. We spent mm-hmm. way more on production and building these stupid spaceships and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It was a bloodbath. But it was like what we wanted to do. We were all mm-hmm. like totally psyched about it. Yeah. But I didn't make – I did not – Making music didn't become a thing that earned more than it cost until I was 35 years old. And I'm not okay. saying that it's like a, that's like a bad thing. I was quite happy. Like I made music, making music was my, like the thing I wanted to do. And so like I had a job that I could pay my bills with that I would use that money to make music. Like that was what I, that's how I associated with music. So like the idea of it like being a career that late in my life felt very weird. Yeah, because that... Uh, if I was 19 and we were like, boom, I'd yeah. be like, yeah, I deserve mm-hmm. this. This is, where's my other bag of money yeah. and stuff? Because right off the bat... Where's my cocaine fountain? You're coming, yeah. 
cocaine fountain. You can, mm. Mike. Where's the cocaine fountain? Where Where's James's cocaine fountain? You got the rider right. He said it's in Bayonne. He'll oh. show it to you after the show. That the, I would not do. You had to go with like go th- with in three different cars. <laughs> yes, it's down this road. Come on, It'd be like, come on, it's over here. You got 150 bucks, fountain. right? You got 150 yeah. bucks in cash for right. the cocaine fountain. Turn it on. Yeah. So, right off the bat, you're you're coming at this. You're you're a little older than. The, the the average bear the average bear yeah so you're coming at it with a different with different perspective on worldview yes you've got a different worldview and there's that thing that that like when you think of like Francis Coppola mm-hmm. a guy like that he, Frankie C Frankie C his goal was Frankie C Town Frankie C Town I love his <laughs> low rent grocery store is <laughs> <laughs> um. He was always just like the only point in having money is to use yeah. the money. Yeah. And that's why he would always go broke. Yeah. And then but then would go direct another thing and then wouldn't be broke. Right. He could always just ride the ride. Yeah. And it would go up and then it would go down. Right. But his whole thing was this is literally the only reason for me to try to make money. Why would I want money if I'm not going to use it? To yeah, to do, to, to do to something. To make something. To make more yeah. of what exactly. I got in this in the first place. Right. Because you, but it, people forget. I think life is funny, and you think you need. Like people start talking about, like, oh, I need, well, I need, you know, I need. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, you don't want to live forever. I lived, you know, I lived for a couple of years in an inflatable mattress in the studio. Mm-hmm. You don't want to do that forever. I'm not saying yeah. that it doesn't matter. I'm just saying, like, if you want money, don't be a musician. No, no, it's a you, terrible yeah. idea. There are so much better plays yeah, to get your hand on money. You be in banking. Siding. Be in banking. Yeah. If you want money, be in finance. Yeah. If I wanted to make money, you know what I would do? Yeah. Do a, a, a home repair, landscaping. I don't even know how to fix anything. I would schedule the guys, <laughs> and they would show up when people told it. And if you did that, you'd have more money than you'd ever know what to do with. Yeah, you stand in the middle between yeah. people who need stuff and people who provide and stuff. And you just send the people there reliably. And you will be standing on a pile of money. There's yeah. so many better ways to get money than the entertainment field. <laughs> yeah. It's the dumbest way to try it to get really rich. It really is. So that may, that's how you get to the decision. And then you're kind of... And it felt, it'll feel cleaner to be done. Because mm-hmm. I'll know, like, okay, I've, I've, which mm-hmm. is kind of cowardly, but it was like a little bit like mm-hmm. a little self-destruction. At what, at what point... Did the did the notion of of uh, of bringing the band back enter your head? Well, I had a balloon payment on my condo. No, sure, that um, would do no, it. That no. would. I had um, I started. Uh, I did a bunch of stuff that I was really mm-hmm. happy to do and really proud of yeah. and excited. And that that's the band not being this the all encompassing animal that yes. eats your life. Yeah. Now you're. Well, how about this? The as soon as the final show. Yeah. The dust settles. You actually get your feet back under you. Yeah. After the after the kind of the the vibrations of that settle down. Mm-hmm. How did you feel in the wake of that? Great. I felt tremendous. You know, I had time. I still had all the friends in my band. Like it's not like the, you know people disappeared. Um, I got to do other projects. Like I got to like do things I wouldn't normally be able to do. Um. I got to build the Despacio sound system. I got to like make a restaurant. I got to score a Mike Nichols play. I got to make music for a Mike Nichols play. 
Yeah. Like, so I got to hang out with Mike Nichols. Yeah. One of the greatest American artists. Yeah. Like, you know, a real, a guy who was probably at the show we were talking, the Shrapnel show we were talking about earlier. That he would have been at that show yeah. with Kurt Vonnegut and yeah. Norman Mailer. Yeah. Woody Allen. Yeah. He would have been there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, and he's also somebody who, not unlike you, if he can, he would pursue whatever he was interested in. He yeah. would actually go toward it and yeah. not say, oh, I'm this. I yeah. can't go do that. If you're interested in it, let me see my what my take on it is. And then I mean, well, what, film how I can relate to People it. didn't believe he could do film. Yeah, no, that was, he came to that. And then and, what made, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf and The Graduate. Yeah. One, two punch. Yes. After <laughs> doing Nichols and May. Yeah. That it was like, hey, you know that guy who does the, <laughs> the two-person stand-up routine yeah. thing? Yeah, it's like he's going to do definitely the most, you know, one of the biggest, most important names in American film for yeah. sure. Yeah. That's coming. And so you, yeah, so you, but you got to work with him, yeah. which you would not have been able to do if Never the band was it. No, it just wouldn't have been possible. Um, so yeah, that, so you're 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 trying everything out. You're trying restaurant. You're trying. <laughs> Scoring, you're doing the every little bit of everything, some, some producing. Had a baby. You had a baby. Yeah. You got to be tight bros with uh, the guy on that record you were staring at as a six-year-old. Yeah. Now you're actually knowing that guy. That's the, yeah, that's weird. Yeah. That is weird. That was very weird. That's, the, that's always you weird. You know what was weirdest about it? What's that? Not that weird. That it wasn't that weird. That it wasn't that weird. And that is down to that, that, that. Uh, I, I always say this tough thing because it's like uh, I, what's worse than if I would just say like well David mm-hmm. you know what I mean like yeah. like casually sure it's David Bowie and I, I'd say it not being weird is down to how incredibly gracious that dude was like how amazing at making you feel normal mm-hmm. around him which is a thing he must have learned. That's a skill. Yeah. To just, it's like if I ever hope to have a normal conversation I'm ever again have in my to life, learn to 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 let people know that I that you don't have to avoid, you don't have to feel uncomfortable about mm-hmm. being an enormous fan. Mm-hmm. It just disarmed me, like you, completely disarmed. And it, and a lot of people told the same story. They'd be like, "Yeah, you just like call me up someplace, and be like, hey, I thought about you because you were really into this furniture designer, and I'm in this place, and they have a bunch of it, and mm-hmm. just wanted to let you know." And you'd be like, "This guy thought about me," and like it immediately disarm you. Yeah, and it's, but I guess that's like a self preservation thing for him. Otherwise, he's gonna be, uh, he's gonna have no one to talk to. Yeah, well, I mean, but I also think it was like a generosity. I think it was a generosity, like just like, let's get through this bit sure. now. Yeah. And and you mm-hmm. now then we can, then you can just be at ease more, mm-hmm. and know that I'm not going to freak out yeah. if you're like I really love Ziggy Stardust, you know. Like I mean, like, the first thing I said to him was like uh, we met. I was recording him for Arcade Fire, and uh, he he walked in and he introduced, I introduced him, and I was like oh this is James he's like oh hello he's kind of normal very polite but hello, and we recorded some vocals and he went away and the next day he came back to do more and he walked in and he kind of pushed it out of the way and he's like i'm so sorry i had no idea it was you i just i just blank i, I just of course it was you but i just you know when you were introduced and he was like apologizing to me for not recognizing my greatness or like, you know, or like yeah. who i was and i'm like you were totally nice and yeah. as far as i'm concerned <laughs> totally appropriate for yeah. our who we are yeah. and uh 
and he said, he said, I'm an enormous fan of your work. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, uh, if you know anything about my work, you know, I'm a enormous fan of your work because I steal from you liberally. (laughs) And he just leaned into me and he went, Mm -hmm. you can't steal from a thief, darling. (laughs) And I'm like, wow, that's just in the holster. Yeah. Like you just have that. That's just ready to go. Ready like that to was, go. That Let's was your – you can't like a oh little wink God. and you can't steal from a thief, yeah. darling. And I'm like, that's – Yeah. I mean, that's a good opening gambit. You write that in a film, people are like, well, things don't normally work like that. But it's like that's <laughs> it's, it's, actually – Yes. You are in a movie for that. Someone's so charming that you it's invisible. It's like a great waiter that you don't even know they're there. That is – Your food just happens. Yeah. That is – that is like – Smooth. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God! But not even smooth. Not there's no sliminess to smooth. It's just literally just super on it. Like mm-hmm. just super ca- ability to make you feel like like mm-hmm. you, we're now we're just two friends laughing about this. Isn't sure. it? Ha ha ha! I just told you that I steal from you because you're mm-hmm. one of my heroes yeah. of all time. Yeah. And you've made a, a little joke about how we all steal, don't we? Us mm-hmm. artists. Ha ha! And I'm like. And so you just so if if mm-hmm. you manage not to have your head explode mm-hmm. and shoot yourself in the bathroom, yeah. then you start to have a friendship. The one thing I've always felt bad about is, and I don't know how to bring this up, is I'm the one who threw that lollipop at him. What at that show? What are you talking about? When he got hit in the eye with the lollipop, that was me. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I'm kidding. Okay, good. <laughs> horrible, horrible confession. <laughs> I'm the reason he stopped like going on stage. Was he got hit, hit in the eye with a lollipop? I threw. Oh, it was a really good lollipop. And, and I but thought you just were like, I hear it. It's so good. You're gonna love this lollipop. <laughs> yeah, so now he actually encouraged you to get the band back together. Is that is that a thing well, I heard somewhere? It's less less direct than that. I, we, yeah. I was uh, talking to him around the Black Star time, mm-hmm. and I had gone to my wife and said, like, "Hey, I have a little issue. I've started writing music, mm-hmm. and I realize I've amassed a lot of music and." Uh oh, you know, <laughs> there's a there's a complication. You know, it's like if we were writing a scene. Here's the conflict. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I had already spoken to Pat and Nancy and been like, "Hey, I'm writing music and I'll play some things for you." And like, I don't know what to do because we broke up this band kind of publicly. <laughs> <laughs> there was yeah, there was a public component. There was a to there the was a, there was a public. Uh, there was an announcement-y mm-hmm. type yeah. component. There was a, kind of a movie yeah, that there was kind, kind of came of a out. Thing. Yeah. It was a really big event. So mm-hmm. the largest thing my band did ever yeah. was break up. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, uh-huh. so that's a complication. Um, and my wife was, I was like, well, I don't, you know, so I was like, I can't, I, I, maybe I just shouldn't record music. And she's like, you have a, amazing recording studio that you built with your hands mm-hmm. and you make it's a little embarrassing like she knows me well enough to be like yeah, what would your 15 year old self said say if you weren't using your studio when you had songs to record yeah and i was like that's a good point and i talked to pat and nancy mm-hmm. and i was like well i made this music i'm making this music and like what do you guys think it's like a, if you think it's lcd sound system then it's lcd sound system but if it's not you know, then I, I'll have to figure something else out because it's like yeah. th- that's fine because mm-hmm. I couldn't go on stage with a bunch of twenty-four-year-olds and be like, "Hello, it's LCD." You know, like that would be the that would be the best and it, worst. That would thing be the ever funniest in thing in Vegas. Yeah, yeah. Or nor if I had made like a solo record. Yeah, I couldn't have them play because people would be like, "What the hell is yeah, it?" Yeah. You know, 
he's just such an egomaniac that he had to just I, it, me being me was not enough. Yeah. It now has to be even more me. Yeah. And you'd be updated like I think you all might know this one. Yeah. Just like like where you're giving them like the dessert after they hear all the like like. You go. You Solar, guys eat all it? your vegetables, which yeah. is my new stuff. I think you might remember this one. And then everybody surges forward. Finally, I've been saying this at shows. We've been like, when I we play new, we played some new songs. And I kept saying to people, "I was like, we're gonna play a bunch of new, a couple of new songs." People are like, "Wow!" And I'm like, "Don't get excited. You don't uh-huh. want to hear these. You think you do. Uh-huh. You think what you want to do right now uh-huh. is hear new songs." Two, this, halfway through the second song, you're like, you know, like, yeah. it's, I don't know this. Like, this means like, nothing to me. Like, and not like Oviena, but this literally means mm-hmm. nothing to me. Like, it's, uh, and I, I, so we kept announcing, I'm like, just for be people cool playing with the, it. uh, the best show, uh, bingo game, you can now mark off the Ultravox <laughs> <laughs> one on it. There goes that. Somebody might have just hit bingo on, <laughs> with, with the Vienna quote, yeah, um, yeah, no, it's it's a, it's such a. But do you find do you see people's relationship with those? Did you see them change once the two songs dropped, and then you see like yeah, people, people actually knew them taking a little ownership bit more. Yeah. of them and yes, which I liked, I liked, and I I respect that. Like mm-hmm. you know, we w- w- on the last record when we started touring, we we purposely did not play "Dance Yourself Clean." Because mm-hmm. I was like, it's too much of a mouthful unless people really know it. Yeah. And then by the time we played it, people were like, I could read on a line that people were angry that we weren't playing it. Sure. And then we got it together to play mm-hmm. it. And I feel like there was something to do. Like, I respect that relationship. It's not mm-hmm. like, I'm going to come out and play the new record, everybody. Get, hold on to your hats. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. What I mean is, while you leave, mm-hmm. you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's you know, it's, yeah. you're there to play people, you know, what you, I mean, You've already re- playing your own music. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like pe- people that complain like, I can't believe we have to play this. It's like your song. Like it's your yeah. fault that it's there. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yes. it's you, you, you made it. all of that. Like the, the complaint is which egomaniacal thing that you made for yourself that you have to play for people who like you band and pay money to mm-hmm. look at it with their eyeballs and ears. So, so not, not to lose track. So, Sorry. so the so Pat and Nancy yeah, are on board. They're, so they're, they're hearing the stuff. They and were they're like, saying, yeah, this yes, is, it sounds yeah, like this is great. So then I was like, yeah, well, we're gonna figure out how how to say we're playing, we're mm-hmm. a band, and uh, and I thought we were gonna have the record done really quickly, mm-hmm. and so it would be done right before we played Coachella, or right after, and then it would be sure. out. Okay, I'm really glad it didn't work that way. Okay, I'm sure some people are frustrated. It took a long time, but. I'm glad we got over – I'm glad we got to deal with playing again and that being the story for a while. Yeah. And then now we're like, okay, people, they're playing. Now there's a record. It's less of like mm-hmm. a thing to me. No, before – so so David Bowie factors into the oh, yeah. assembly. Sorry, I was talking – sorry. Yeah, you're right. Okay, so I was talking to him around the, the, the Black Star time and um, I was saying like – 
you know, confiding because I didn't tell people this. Mm-hmm. And he had made me sign a bunch of confidentiality agreements. Mm-hmm. So I was pretty sure he was going to be cool with not, yeah. not that anyone was going to be like, so David. Uh, <laughs> We're hearing some. <laughs> like, we need a quote from you about yeah. LCD sound yeah. system. Because he's just giving quotes left and right. Right. And also anyone who has a moment with David Bowie is not going to be asking about my stupid band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, unless they're literally Give related us the to story. Me. Yeah. All right. David, one Black Star Schmack Star. Yeah, we get one question. What's up with this LCD sound system thing? <laughs> We're here and there. Come. Thanks for the quote, David. Clung. <laughs> yeah. That's not that's not in the cards. No, but he was just like he's like it's, it makes you uncomfortable. And I was like, "Yeah." And he's like, "Good. You know, it should." Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not doing it, if you're not making yourself uncomfortable, which I thought at the time I was like as he was saying it, I'm like, "Well, I just, I was like, you're not uncomfortable. Yeah. You know what I mean? But then again, that's a stupid thing for me to think because it's like, you know, I'm looking at David Bowie and I'm like, well, if I could be David Bowie tomorrow, I'd just walk around like, screw you. Like, you know, like I can do whatever I want. I'm I'm David Bowie. You know, like I would feel like the most confident person in the world. But of course, you know, you get to that through years of like not making young Americans again and making low and all sorts of things Mm -hmm. that made you if you care about how people feel about you, which no one that's not deeply damaged cares mm-hmm. to some degree about how people respond to the things they make, mm-hmm. you know, he had to, he had to be uncomfortable a lot. And that's probably been the best thing ever for his. Like, I always, I always feel with com- him where people would just be like, Oh, he just changed. It's like, that's the hardest thing in the world. That's the hardest do. thing. He threw it. He was touring <laughs> diamond dogs and halfway through, he crumples it up yeah. and then puts on like, like a Panama hat. And it's the thin white dude. suddenly like, this is what we sound like now. Yeah. And it's like, that's the hardest. That's not the easiest play. That's the hardest play. Yeah, that's do. crazy. So what if you would have said to him, I'll reform LCD sound system if you reform Tin Machine. <laughs> How do you think? What do you think? I think, you, I, I think he wouldn't have, you know, I think he was busy. <laughs> But I don't think he would have ever shied away from playing another Tin Machine show, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah. Yeah. So it's better than people think, the Tin Machine yes. stuff. So. I, I also think he, he said something really interesting. He was talking about Lou, uh, you know, like the Lou, Lou Reed and Metallica record. Mm-hmm. And he was like, that's some of the best writing Lou's done. Yeah. And like people don't, you know, like people make a snap judgment and aren't listening. Yeah. So. I listen to that. I listened to. All of Lou Reed's over this year, I just went and listened to everything wow. in order, and That's it's just it's the it really is like the greatest story anyone ever told about their life. Yeah, and you he's just telling his story. Like yeah. each album is a chapter and of a it, very strange story. Yes, and it's um, it's unbelievable to see the entirety of it wow. to, to like really go and listen in order, and you see. Sometimes he would lose confidence. It seemed like he was learning how to write songs again sometimes. Like, like it would almost like the like, original rapper? Well, maybe not so much that. I would say more like like rock and roll heart. It seems like yeah. he's almost going back to the drawing board on yeah. songwriting. And they would get very simple again and then they would get complicated again yeah. and then they would get simple they'd again. They would get like almost and, doo-wop again. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's a, it's really interesting to see that that kind of that that process and now so when you when you're just finally like slide my chips in we're gonna do this yeah 
I mean, you must now just feel like what is waiting for us with the reaction to this. Yeah, I mean, I thought, I kind of thought that like, maybe I'm paranoid, but just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're yeah, not that's another you, t-shirt. Yeah. You might, Mike, write that. That's the third shirt for no. the for the LCD sound system merch booth. Yeah, we're just working. This is a merch meeting. You could sell that one also at Spencer's Gifts. That one. oh my god, with the fundies. Yeah. <laughs> um. No, but the, um, I was always, I felt like we had gotten away, like we'd gotten such a good rap mm-hmm. and there are people who hated us from, there's always been like the guy who knows better, like who mm-hmm. liked us for a minute, but now just listens okay. to extreme noise and is over, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. and I'm like, that's fine. If we're, if you're, we're the foil for mm-hmm. you to show how cool you are. That's great. I've, I look, I've done it. Plenty of times yeah. I've been on the end of bailing on things. I've been and, on both sides of that. Yeah, it's so fine. you get it. So I'm not like I've never been, but I was. But I felt like there were this kind of people who never really like who. I felt like there are people who were waiting for us to do something really terrible and wrong, mm-hmm. so they could be right. Okay. About how we were a fraud or something. Yeah. And so I expected a certain backlash from people, but from people who didn't like the band, who just mm-hmm. be like, "Oh, this guy's full of crap." Yeah. And, you know, this is the whole thing. But. Um, and so I was prepared for that. I was like, that's fine. Like my mm-hmm. wife thinks it's okay to do Pat and Nancy think it's okay to do David Bowie thinks it's okay to do. Mm-hmm. You can go. Yeah. You're a kind of covered. I'm co- yeah. I don't care what you, mm-hmm. uh, anonymous four, eight, seven have to say mm-hmm. about yeah. my band, but I was, uh, I was a little unprepared for like j- people who really love the band being hurt, which it sounds naive now in retrospect, it's dumb. But I, I, and, and, and that, that moved me and that made me like, mm-hmm. I mean, people were attacking people who loved my band mm-hmm. who were saying like they were really upset because they had gone. And then there were other people like chiming in being like, by the way, when I say people talking and, t- and what I mean is the lowest level of human conversation, which is internet comments. Sure. Yeah. Um, but people were attacking these people. And so I felt like I was like, oh, well I have to now come out of my like silence and mm-hmm. sort of have to just like say, Hey, like if that's how people feel like that's valid. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know, you are the, as a person who likes music, you're the one maintaining that relationship. You're the person who actually is like, you know, you're doing all the work. Like mm-hmm. the Smiths made their records. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. played some, but I did all the work in that relationship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Like I went and bought the records. I yes. love the band. You went and, to buy that Smith brothers record. Yeah. And it was my heart that was broken when they stopped. And like, and, 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 and I feel like nobody owes, owed me anything, but I did feel like that I'm putting a lot in. And I felt like people that put a lot into us and felt that got their heart broken. Like when it stopped and then got like, you know, you're not dead, you know, mm-hmm. like that type of stuff. And how did that inform, though, like, to make it, like, we are back as a creative entity, not, this is, we're not just doing a a tour, this is not a, this is not some, a cash-in, this is not a thing, we're actually back because of music. Because I expected the record to be done, like, too sweet. So if that, if that would have been the case, then the the story would have been cleaner. Well, yes, but I think it would have been worse. I'm glad in retrospect, I was really frustrated that it was, I underestimated how hard to have a baby in a tour and make a record mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff. 
Because the record actually didn't take me, the record wasn't that hard to make. It didn't take me that long. It was just hard to get that much time in a row mm-hmm. to be in the studio. So like okay. if I would have, if I would have done it without touring, it was not a particularly laborious record. It was actually like pretty pleasant. Mm-hmm. Did, um, did, um, did the, the, did the tone, how did the tone of this record also, which is different from the previous three to some degree. I'm discovering I that I felt it was different, but you never know, you know, bands when they record and they're always like, it's going to blow people's minds. Mm-hmm. The guitars are panned really wide. And you're like, nobody cares. Mm-hmm. Like the little mm-hmm. crappy thing you think is like bl- totally crazy that you put on the voice. Like we never mm-hmm. put any delay and there's a little delay on it. Mm-hmm. Like nobody notices that. So I'm always careful to say like, well, this record's really different, mm-hmm. but I do feel like it's different. I yeah, it's, it, a, I, it's it, a heavier record. Yeah, it definitely. It's like it's it it's a it, it is more of a. I said, I think I said claustrophobic maybe yeah. a little bit before. It's it's a, it's definitely an a an intense. It's an intense listen that also has a kind of a, a it, it 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 tracks in in the in the right. Like I think the sequencing on it, it go goes in a direction that tells some kind of that sets some kind of mood i'm well, sorry if i'm vague on no that, I, I, I just there's no way to say it because it's not telling yeah. the story there's no lyrical like yeah. through line or anything like that but it definitely goes somewhere from song to song in the in a larger sense that's the times i've listened to it i thought it really had it has it's look i think it's great in that way and um but for that to kind of when did that really when you can, when were you able to take a step back and see, like, wow, we are, we are, this is what we are now in 2017. Like, this is, because it really doesn't sound like the other, records. the other three, in a, in a lot of ways it doesn't. I mean, there, there's things that do, but there's things It's that... recognizably the band. Yes. But, yeah. Um. Well, okay, normally when I get close to the end of a record and I've got like six, seven songs and I normally have nine. Okay. I start feeling like, okay, what am I, what's this record missing? It's normally the question I ask. Mm -hmm. And almost without fail, the last song I make is this first single. I'm like, Oh, it's missing the first single. Sure. So I'll write North American scum or I'll write, um, drunk girls or something like that. No, just sort of the last thing. Mm -hmm. Um, on this record, I was like, well, there's a lot of really long, sprawling songs. There's a lot of darker songs, and I don't want to leave any of them off. And the last two things to get done are the second song, or the third song. Is Other Voices second? Third. It's Other Voices, I think. And How Do You Sleep, which is like this nine-minute punishing like the heaviest song on the record and i was mm-hmm. like well if i'm putting this on the record like it's not the first single yeah you, you know yeah, what yeah, i yeah. mean yeah. like mm-hmm. i'm making a decision at this point and it's a game of inches it's a little bit of like um it's not a big swinging difference but it is there is some things that are not there anymore there's mm-hmm. some sounds and some energies that aren't there anymore, and they're replaced by things that are not equivalent. They're, 
it's a so it makes the whole record lean darker. I think. Sure, sure. Um, not that there aren't things that are. No, there's definitely things darker things it's, before. It's not like there was zero dark things before, and it was and there was no, no like no. brighter things here. But it's yeah. it's just the overall tone. Mm-hmm. It's like if you're watching a if you're watching a movie where people get killed and and you're laughing. You, it's a horror movie or a comedy based on the weight and amount of one or the other. You okay. know what I mean? Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, and this is a horror movie. No. <laughs> now here, now when you think of, if you had thought of LCD sound system as a thing that had a, a an end date in the first iteration. Yeah. I think this is a break and this is a, yeah. So what is it like to go now with this band that, I mean, is it's like you? It seems like you're going forward. It's like, is is there another end date now, or is this just I'll, an infinity? I sign? don't think I would ever, ever end the band in any way recognizable, mm-hmm. other than to just quietly not do just, it, to, to kind of just fade drift away. off. Yeah, I don't think I think you only get one one of those. We had an ending. It's I, done. We well, had a funeral. It, we're dead. I think it would be really mm-hmm. exciting. It'd be really funny. Just like. If you just announce, this is it. <laughs> and then you keep doing this. Yeah, just keep. You just keep pulling the plug on it. Farewell. Yeah. <laughs> it's just. And then, yeah. then it's like, oh, here he comes again. Oh, I'm sorry. It yeah. just, I, I took two months off and I started writing songs again. So <laughs> it felt, yeah. it really thought, I thought that was the real end of the thing. But there's also, on a slightly more serious note I did feel like ending the band was like I was like that was perfect I was like mm-hmm. I would never mess that up yeah that's perfect and then I because I took some joy in destroying a, 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 a this makes me sound like a crazy person but I took some joy in destroying an upward career like yeah. there was something in that that just really tickled me that just felt like really correct to who I am. Yeah. You, like, just, you just went the, everybody goes, everybody zigs. Yeah. And then suddenly you're like, I'm going to zag. Well, also it's just a way of explaining like, okay, we'd get asked to do ads all the time. Like mm-hmm. people would be like, we're going to give you a bunch of money and you do an ad. We want to use your song in this stupid ad. And I'd be like, no. And the higher the money got, the more pleasure I took in saying no, like the more joy. Yeah. And I had a manager, my old manager, Keith, who retired, um, well, he was the best manager in the world for him at the time because he was like he also took pleasure. He's like, oh, I cannot wait to call them. They're uh-huh. they're so confident. Like they're literally rolling their eyes, being like, okay, we get it. No, we'll double it. Like you know, like uh-huh. they they just like, because like, they are so sure. And the, dis- the there's something that repulsed me in their confidence that they had money that they just didn't hit the number yet. Yeah, that they're and also that they're like, we know you're for sale. Yeah. Like we know, and like the the kind of like smarmy like know it allness of like somebody being like, look, you know, it, okay, yeah. you got like, me. Like, yeah, exactly. It's like it's not your money. I didn't yeah. get you. It's not going to affect you, buddy. Yeah. Like and but the, the I would take a weird pleasure in just being like, sure, yeah, like no, and I could use it, like you know, it's yeah. like, but it was something. And also knowing that, like, you get no credit for that. That's the beautiful thing about it. That you can't – 
nobody ca- nobody knows what you don't do. They don't care, and that's mm-hmm. like, so you you know it's, there's some joy in that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, so I took some joy in being like smash, um, and in a weird way, it was just as interesting though a little bit more complicated because ending a band was more correct in my like I guess punk rock brain. But like putting it back was again smashing it again. Like just being like, mm-hmm. and now we had the perfect out, and now we're back into being judged. Mm-hmm. We're back into comment sections. We're we're back in to you know bad reviews and and uh, somebody being like they have lost it or whatever. It's we're open again for like the business of human cruelty and interaction. Yeah, but you're back in as a con- as a competitive. Force. Active concern. Yeah, it isn't. It isn't something where you're putting like an EP out that has like one new song and two live songs. Yeah, or a best just... of that has one new song on it. Yeah, which is always loving people. It's always the greatest. Like song that is not it. your best song. Yeah, it's always like, yeah, like like what was that? Remember that one police thing where it's like, don't stand so close to me, eighty six. Oh or something. yeah, yeah, like oh yeah, it's like. like you know what the problem with that song was? It didn't have electronic drums on it. Yeah. That was really the problem with that, that song. song was almost there. Yeah. It didn't have enough gated digital reverb. Thankfully, the new technology Dude. makes the police. Have you heard? Z, do, do you know the do ZZ Top? Are you a ZZ Top person? Oh, those three out the like the which ones? The ones they went back to yes! the seventies and redid. Yes. yes. And like, Horrifying. <laughs> and yeah. said like Tejas. Yeah. The problem with Tejas is it doesn't sound enough like Eliminator. Like Eliminator. Because <laughs> ZZ Top were an actual legitimate three dirtbags. Amazing band. So great. And then they <laughs> tripped on this new success and they had like a little sequencer kind of going. Yeah, and which all more power to them. Like congratulations. Mm-hmm. They yeah. had they made legs. They had videos. They were guys with crazy beards. They were like mm-hmm. almost a very well constructed weird version of a novelty act. Yes, that they were there was a strange thing that these old guys with beards were on MTV all with the sunglasses time. and long yeah. beards and like yeah. guitars that would spin around on their belt buckles. But Trey Zombrades, you know, Rio Grande Mud mm-hmm. and Tejas and like these records yeah. are near perfect rock records. Yes. And so they were just like, I don't know if our fans who got on board with us with Sharp Dressed Man are going to hang with our old sound. So they remastered. Remixed them. Like yeah, these, changed. Yeah. Some of the best drum sounds ever recorded were replaced. For. This, by like digital yeah. drums. And for the longest time, that was the only yeah. version you could get of a thing. <laughs> hey, Mike. Who's good here? Okay. Uh oh, line five. All right. Let's let's do this. Let's let's see what the people have to say for oh, James boy. Murphy. Oh boy. Best show. What's up, Tom? It's Thor from Dirty Wet. Fu- what? Hello. Hey, I had to, I had to I had to bleep you. You can't say that. You you can't you can't say that. Was it Thor? Yes. You can't you can't say that word on the show, Thor. Uh, Come on. Great. Looks like my favorite media personality just joined the ranks of the PC Thought Police. Great news. <laughs> I'm not a member of the PC Thought Police. Well, you know, it's just the PC Word Police. It's different. Yeah, it's, you can think it. Yeah, I don't need it. 
You can think you can, it's I, a free society, right? But it I looks, guess not. I guess not. Well, the word you said was uh, was horrible, and I'm not going to put it on the show. All right, fair enough. You know, and what, what does dirty wet? It was like dirty wet, and then I bleeped it. Right. What what does that even mean? Dirty wet. Are you serious? Yeah. Ugh. We're only Brooklyn's number one filth rock band. Where have you been? Filth filth rock. Yes. Do you, I didn't even know filth rock was like a a, a genre. It's are like, you nuts? It's huge. And look, don't get me wrong. There are other bands that are good, like covered in uh, the sewage gargler's uh, three scoops of. Uh, also, uh, defiled carcass of. You probably had to bleep those, right? I, I guess every one of those, oh, except geez. for uh, sewage gargler's. I think I let through. They're good too, but but seriously, we're like the Beatles to their. I don't know whoever was worse than the Beatles back in the fifties. Uh huh. The fifties. Yeah, those, <laughs> you know the Beatles back in the. I'm not even gonna get into. Look, I, I've done my research. Now you do yours. <laughs> Look, hey, I'm here. We have James Murphy here. Do you have a? Is that what? Did you call with a question for for James? Not so much a a question as a statement. Okay, bring, bring it. What's the statement? Watch your back, bro. What? What's so funny? Why? Why would you tell him to watch his back? Well, look, this clown's ten show December run at Brooklyn Steel. Yeah. It falls right when my band was hoping to stage our 12 days of Stiltsmith shows. At Brooklyn Steel? Yes, and for some reason, they went with those clowns over us. I don't get it. Uh-huh. Well, I guess no no offense to you, Thor, but is Filth Rock even big enough to like do Brooklyn Steel, like 12 nights? You bet you're fat, filthy... It is. I again, I had to bleep you. You're time. kidding me. Yes, I'm not letting this. Oh happen. my god, was this a Bible show? <laughs> it's not a Bible show. I'll it's tell like, you, man. I don't like the vibe either of you guys are putting like, out right now. And, oh, I'm sorry. And, and and you listen to me. Just to show you guys, we're going to do seventy shows in a row next year at Brooklyn Steel. Seven. No, scratch that. We're going to do hundred and eighty. Each one filthier than the last. You're gonna do filth fest. So for filth fest, you're gonna do a. It's not filth fest. It's filthness. So you're gonna do 180 consecutive shows. Yes. At Brooklyn Steel. Yes. And each one's gonna get somehow filth. So you're gonna track the filthiness. So what's that like? A, how Fil- do you filthometer? How, yeah. Do you have a filthometer? As a matter of fact, there is a filthometer. Well, not so smart, are we now? Actually, I guess you are smart because you did guess it. <laughs> okay. Joke, so. Jokes on me. I, yeah. I give you that one. Uh huh. So you got you got that. So, yeah. How do you guys feel about Scumcore? <laughs> That's child's play. <laughs> I just yeah. You I'll tell know. you. The micro genres that just you know a lot of fights. You listen to me, cat. All right, that final show we're gonna do. Uh-huh. It's going to be so filthy. Here's what we're going to do. We're all going to, with our... And then we're going to take out... And then we're going to spray... Until at the very end, it's going to be like a wall of just hot 
exploding all over everybody. Yeah, that all had to get bleeped. There. You're kidding! No. Oh my God. So you don't. So that's what you called to tell James to watch his back. Well, yeah, that's part of it, but there's also a, a second layer to my call. Yeah. Jim, I'll be honest, all right? I, I, I actually never heard of LSD Sound Sister until tonight. But I did give a listen to some of your jams on Spotify before I called, and I dug what I heard. Well, thank you. It's good stuff. I do have to say this, though. You could use a little more crotch fire when it comes to the percussion. A little Is more. that a piece of upward gear? Excuse me? Oh, no, no. I, I supply the crotch fire. Okay. Yeah, and I'd love to show you what I can do behind the tubs. So what, do you want to send them a CD or something? No. I got my kit right here. Oh, great. I'm going to lay down some of the sickness right now. Is that cool? (laughs) Sure. sure. What do you think? Go ahead. Go ahead, Thor. All right. All right. Check it out. Here we go. Solid. I need to play right now. This is important. Who are who are you yelling at? My mommy. She doesn't want me playing after nine p.m. Uh-huh. And how how old are you, if you don't mind me asking? I'm thirteen. Why? I would have. You got a garbage mouth. Yeah, because you got a garbage mouth and you potty seem mouth. like you know your way around stuff. I would have thought you were an adult. Oh, well, you know, my stones dropped way early, and uh, I'll tell you, it's a, it's a blessing and a curse. You know, below the belt, I'm, I'm really ready for filth, but emotionally and mentally, I'm still in fun serial mode. Uh, yeah. Yeah? FSM. That's right. FCM. Mom! I'll be up in a minute! I'm on the radio with Tom Sharpling and Jim from the CD Sound Spectrum! Yeah, he wants to hire me to play drums in his band! Guys, I'm so sorry you had to hear that. It's, it's, it's pretty embarrassing. It's, it's, you're de- you seem to be dealing with it. I'm, do- I'm doing my best. Uh-huh. But listen, you know, I should go upstairs before this becomes even more of a scene from the king of comedy, all right? I mean, pretty soon I'll, I'll be telling you that I'll give you the six weeks, right? Uh, yeah, like, like the king of comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Jim, shoot me a DM on Twitter, okay? I- I'm at FilthyThor69. Uh, I'll, I'll certainly I'll shoot you a DM. Sounds great, sounds great. Mom! Shut up, you... Oh, wow. There you go. There you go. Thor, I guess, I don't know, that was... A lot of energy just left the room. 13-year-old. Yeah. I don't know what's strange. He was 13. That he's 13 was strange, but he also had a... Working knowledge of King of Comedy for yeah. a thirteen-year-old. That's very. Well, very... he's got a Betamax. Yeah, I guess he's got it. Yeah. <clears throat> the best show is produced in partnership with the Forever Dog Podcast Network. The show is hosted by Tom Sharpling and features John Worcester, Michael Lisk, Jason Gore, and Pat Byrne. The show is produced and written by Jason Gore, Pat Byrne, Michael Lisk, Brett Davis, John Worcester, and Tom Sharpling. The Best Show is executive produced by Tom Sharpling, Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. Co-executive produced by Jason Gore and Pat Burns. Segment producer, Michael Lisk. 
The show is engineered and mastered by Andrew Gleason and Wesley Neff. Graphic design, video editing, and social media by Brett Davis. Website and technical support by Martine Sellis. And the show is recorded at Forever Dog Studios in Los Angeles. Support the best show on Patreon over at patreon.com slash thebestshow. And follow us on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Best Show for Life. That's Best Show number four, Life. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.